Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, we're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Bridget Condon of the NFL Network. As we'll go around the NFL with Bridget, get her thoughts on all things that are happening across the league. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well coming up at the end of today's show. And Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, no shortage of things to talk about today. And I think right off the top, we have to get to the uh, Urban Meyer news. When we talked to Bridget, when we talked to Bo, that was before the news went down. So you'll hear kind of the lead up to that when we have those conversations for you later on but at the time that we're recording this the open of today's show urban meyer is no longer the head coach of the jacksonville jaguars after the latest development that he kicked one of his players uh back in august uh what a bizarre and uh tumultuous tenure for urban meyer there in uh, jacksonville tom this probably could not have gone any worse yeah, Jones, he somehow got uh, fired before Mike Zimmer did, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Urban Meyer is the uh, second coach this year to uh, get fired after uh, John Gruden. And, you know, at the time Gruden got fired, Tom, we were saying that Urban Meyer was probably happy that uh, Gruden was able to distract from what was going on with Urban Meyer, but that could only last so long. I mean, this stuff just kept on building and building. I mean, from the moment that he signed Tim Tebow to play tight end, that should have been a sign for what was ahead for Urban Meyer here. What a awful uh, experience. And the the people I feel bad for is Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, basically had a year wasted this year. And then those fans that have been through so much and, and to go through a terrible year like this, nobody deserved to go through what Urban Meyer put that team through. No, probably not. And, I, you know, I don't even know where the Jags go from here. I really don't. I don't even know how you go about, you know, changing the process. Um, you know, you think the Lions have it bad? You know, I feel like at least they're the fighting Lions. You know, the Jags aren't even fighting. So, um, you know, I, who did the, do the Jags? I don't even know who they play this week, but I know they have – I think they have the Jets coming up, maybe. And so maybe that's the only other game they win this year. Um, I mean, I don't know if they'll show some fight, kind of like Las Vegas did, it seemed like, after John Gruden left. But, uh, I mean, it's – I'd hate to be on the – I think I'd rather be on the Lions than the Jags. Right. Um, you know, it was Josh Lambeau, the uh, kicker, that publicly accused Meyer of – physical abuse during warmups to a uh, preseason game this year. And, you know, at, at the end of the day with Urban Meyer, to put this as simply as possible, Urban Meyer is a bad NFL coach and a bad person. And, you know, Urban Meyer, there's a lot he could get away with at the college level of how he treated his players and treated his coaching staff. These college campuses, the head coach is the man, right? Um, they run the program. It's it's their whole shebang. And at the NFL level, that's just not going to fly. And, you know, Bo and I, we, we talked about this at the time back in January when his name was being 
surface for this Jags job that this would end poorly. This would end in a disaster. You're looking at, at a guy that runs away from pressure. When things get tough, he falters. Uh, you know, you go back to Florida when Nick Saban showed up and started winning. All of a sudden, Urban Meyer has these health problems and has to step aside. And then he goes to Ohio State and uh, you know, there was the whole deal with the assistant coach that popped up where, uh, you know, he kind of hid the uh, domestic abuse allegations and was suspended for a period of time and then, you know, kind of ran away from that for a bit. And, and, you know, even Jim Harbaugh pointed this out, said when he was asked about Urban Meyer getting this job, said, that controversy follows this man everywhere he goes. And Harbaugh took some flack for that. But Harbaugh was absolutely right that this guy cannot just stay away. He cannot stay low-key and run a clean program, a clean operation here. You know, we, we see him, you know, one minute uh, with the hirings that he makes and then bashing his assistant coaches, calling them losers. Hey, hey, hey Urban, you you hired those guys. Those are your guys. And it, it's just so disappointing. It's so predictable. Uh, and, and the Khan family, too. I don't know how well they're cut out for this business of the NFL. They came into the NFL with the idea of trying to make a profit. And, you know, that was their number one goal, not winning. And, you know, the Khan family – you know, they, they do some weird stuff, you know, like that a AEW wrestling league and a few other things here and there. Um, you know, th this to me, urban Meyer was a disaster of a hire and that was who the con family wanted. But I think that when you look at what's going on in Jacksonville, it's bigger than just urban Meyer. They have issues that uh, are within the culture of that organization. They've been there for a long time. We haven't seen the Jags be successful in a minute. No, I mean, they had that uh, a few good years. I mean, they had one. I mean, it's like one of the last good years when Jalen Ramsey was there, and then it started to fall apart, and then he was traded. And then, like, maybe like there was two seasons before they strung together that were pretty decent um, with, like, Maurice Jones, Drew, those teams. Um, the last time they've been worth a damn was when Blake Bortles had a solid, uh, a decent year. So, you know, I – I don't know exactly where they go from here. I think if there had to be a team that was sold or relocated again, the next team up would be the Jags. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, there's not really another team they could relocate. I mean, maybe they – I don't know where they would relocate the Jags. I mean, the, my best guess would be San Antonio, but – Right. Um, maybe, uh, maybe they're the team that finally makes the move – overseas to London or something. I mean, uh, the Jags have been a dumpster fire for a long time before Urban Meyer was there. And, you know, you, you look at, you mentioned the Maurice Jones-Drew teams. Remember a few years ago when they did get to the AFC championship game and how good that defense was, you know, they were a couple plays away from beating New England and getting to the Super Bowl. And everybody was excited about what Blake Bortles and that team had for their future and they just blew that thing up and right. fell apart just... so fast that franchise did. So um, a lot of problems there for the uh, for Urban Meyer and uh, and this Jacksonville Jags team. You know, to think that 
Urban Meyer being seen on video in a bar with a woman that was not his wife and groping this woman uh, and not flying back with the team. As if that wasn't enough for this to just keep on adding and building and building. Um, I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to coach again at a high level. You know what I mean? Uh, this, with, with the actions that he did, we're talking about, you know, physical abuse and, you know, groping women in public and all these other things. The, the obvious idea would be of him going back to college, but if you're a college that's trying to run, you know, a, a polished looking program of some sorts, do you want Urban Meyer to be the face of that? I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Rick Pitino in a sense, Tom, where Rick, Rick Pitino had a great track record of winning, but where's Rick Pitino at right now? He's at Iona because nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted to make Rick Pitino the face of their program. I think Urban Meyer is going to run into a similar circumstance here of if he wants to get back in coaching, I doubt that he gets a big-time job again. I mean, and not this cycle anyway. I mean, there's uh, there's not any remaining big-time jobs open. After all these big-time jobs that were open just a couple weeks ago, all of them have been taken at this point. Yeah, and, and, you know, for Urban Meyer, if I was him, I would just kick it for a little bit. You know, I wouldn't do anything too crazy. It's not like he's hurting for money. Um, you know, I would just kick it, lay, lay low for a little bit, and then go get you a job like Bobby Petrino did at Missouri State. Maybe work your way back up. Is our Bryles coaching right now? He's, uh, he's coaching some high school football right now. All right, you know, maybe go do that for a little bit. Um. You know, and like I said, he has enough money. Like these, these, these big time coaches that have all this money, I think it's foolish just to get right back into it um, and and act like you really need a job, right? Like, you know, Urban Meyer would be fine if, he, if Urban Meyer never worked again. It's, he'd be just fine. Um, so I don't know if he loves coaching that much. I don't know if I took a coaching job after I, you know, consistently won for so long and then took the Jags job and just got shit on every week. I think it would, I think it would, it would hurt my soul if I was a big, a, you know, a big time coach or a prideful coach. I would just say, all right, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of time off and kick it. Um, maybe go back and find me a young woman at a bargain. Cause that seems like that's what he likes to do too. So um, I wouldn't, if I'm Urban Meyer, I would just kick it for a little bit. I'm assuming he gets paid out as a, you know, from a contract from the Jags coaching job? I don't think so. I think with these recent allegations that have come out from Josh Lambeau, I think they're gonna he's going to be fired for cause. Oh, okay, yeah. Then, he, you know, that could happen as well. But it's not, you know, it's not like he he's not hurting for money. So, you know, if, if he wants to go back to coaching, I say give it a little bit of time. Uh, he's, like you said, he's not going to get any big name. No, no bigger university is going to call, come calling for him after all this that's happened in the last five months. Yeah. Uh, what a mess, uh, with urban Meyer. I'm sure the TV networks will still be interested in him where, whether that's uh, big noon on Fox or, uh, going to ESPN or something. Uh, I bet he still has a seat at the table when it comes to TV. What's really ironic, you know, you always talk about, you know, the pot calling the kettle black, right. And, one of the things that Urban Meyer did when he was on TV 
was he did this segment on criteria to examine for struggling teams, according to Urban Meyer. One, trust issues. Two, dysfunctional environment. Three, selfishness. Um, I think Urban Meyer hit the nail on the head on all three of those things about his own organization. Yeah, that's probably – I mean, you can't get any – I mean, he rung each bell. You know, maybe that's what he was setting out to do. Um, You know, and it's just – you know, and it's not taking any blame away from Urban Meyer, but I can – you know – if we always talk about players, great players who go to the Jags, we go, well, rest in peace their career, just like the Lions. Um, and it used to be rest in peace their career for the Browns, and it still somewhat is. Um, but, you know, for Urban Meyer to go to the Jags of all places to start off with, not the best place to, you know, go. I mean, that, that would be maybe last on my list in terms of places I would want to start out coaching. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not to take any blame away from Urban Meyer, but I mean, neither side is, I would say, innocent. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right about that. Uh, what a, a bizarre uh, couple days there on uh, that front. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the NFL in just a moment, but as far as top headlines go, what about uh, with uh, Jackson state, Deion Sanders, getting the number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter, to decommit from Sanders' alma mater, Florida State, and go to Jackson State. And there's been some rumors that he's got some NIL deals, uh, upwards of millions of dollars. Um, Dion has kind of disputed that, saying they don't have any money there at Jackson State. But uh, for this type of thing to happen, Tom, I mean – says a lot about Deion Sanders and his ability. You know, he had a hell of a year this year at Jackson State going 11-1. and one. And, you know, he's been doing it his way uh, with, you know, bringing that, that swagger, you know, prime time to Jackson State. His recruiting class is ranked 55th in the country. And that's not of FCS schools. No, that's 55th overall. That's better than K-State and Kansas and several Big 12 schools. That's the type of talent he's pulling in. Um, wow. I'm, ex- I'm happy for Dion that he's got this type of pull. And if you're pulling in recruiting numbers like this and winning football games, it's only a matter of time before Dion's going to get a decent FBS coaching job here, Tom. I mean, yeah, when, why not at his alma mater? I mean, I think he – I think that's now that he got – Hunter to flip and go to Jackson State. I think he's. I think he's fortunate somewhat of a hand in Tallahassee to say, "Hey, hire me, and I'll bring Travis Hunter with me." Uh, I think that has to do a lot of it with it. I think he wants to be the coach at Florida State, um, and and hell, if he's doing like he what he is now, I think Florida State might be foolish not to hire him. Um, you know, it's the slippery slope hiring your alma mater because it's hard to fire him. But, um, you know, that said, I, I think he wanted to coach at Florida State. I still think he wants to coach at Florida State. Um, and, I, you know, even if he doesn't leave Jackson State, I maybe I'm foolish for, to think this, but I think that Travis Hunter, it's a, it's a win-win situation. You go, you kind of make history as the first number one overall recruit in the country to go to – you know, a small school like that. 
and then HBCU, yeah, yeah, right. And then he can make you know hella nil money. Um, you know, it's already coming in, and then he can just dip out after the first you know one or two years, or if you know Dion, let's say he goes to Florida State or goes somewhere else, he can just follow Dion. I, mean, I think. Win-win for that kid. Well, and his numbers are going to be through the roof playing lesser competition. Right. Um, I mean, have to guard anybody that's even anywhere near what he would guard in a in a top conference or you know even in the ACC. Right. Yeah, he's going to be great uh, at that level. He'll, he'll do really well. And you know, Dion interviewed for TCU and a couple other. Uh, power five jobs, but ultimately didn't land those jobs. I- I'm excited to see what Dion does. It amazes me too, Tom, that, you know, you and I, we barely saw Dion Sanders play pro football. We were kids. You know, he retired in 2005 uh, after a couple of years with the Ravens. Um, and that's when he, you know, came back. That was after his, uh, you know, you know, he had retired in 2000 after playing for Washington. And then a few years later, he came back and played for the Ravens in 04 and 05 for his second stint in the league. But, you know, there was a – we haven't seen much. You and I are much older than these high school kids. And we did not get to see Dion play a whole lot. Now, we know Dion as the commentator. You know, he was great on the NFL Network and CBS and now doing stuff with Barstool. It amazes me how much pull he has that he's still Dion. He's still primetime um, with these guys not having really any idea who the player Dion Sanders was other than YouTube videos, Tom. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. But then, I, you know, I think about that too. Uh, you know, our age didn't really get to see Michael Jordan play. Not a whole lot, you know. Not like, you know, I'm almost – I'm 29 – so I didn't really get to see Jordan play like, you know, the 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 main finals that I was like four, you know, the the prime time of his, uh, you know, of his career. When, when the last dance happened, I was like four or five. So I don't really remember that a whole lot. Um, and, and for some of these kids, that might be what Dion is or, you know, even greater than that. And we talk about Michael Jordan, how he's still idolized. Well, Dion Sanders is the Michael Jordan of that cornerback position. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be quarterback. You could just at this point label it just as a defensive back. Um, so I, I get where these kids come from. And, and not only that, he was flashy, right? And it's prime time, baby. It's Deion Sanders. It's, you know, kids not only idolize him for how good he was, just his flashiness, you know. They idolize him for his, his play on the field, but also for – who he was as a person prime time, you know? So I get where they, they do that. And, you know, who's, who's another cornerback or defensive back that was, was like prime time, you know, who's, who else is flashy. That's a coach now, you know, maybe if, you know, if you want to talk defensive backs, maybe if Ed Reed went to coach somewhere or maybe even Troy Palomalu, but you know, those are the names that stick out when I think great defensive back over time. Um, but even then it's not prime time, you know, it's not Dion Sanders. So he did the allure of him going, um, to coach college football at an HBCU nonetheless, and 
kind of being able to build a program and inviting, you know, kids to be a part of that is, I think, um, somewhat attractive. You know, come make history at an HBCU with me and let's build this bitch from the ground up. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening. I mean, it's, you know, somewhat happening in basketball too. Um, so, you know, I'm more power to him. He, this kid's well, going to make a ton of money. Um, I don't blame him one bit. Well, and also to give perspective on just kind of how unbelievable this is, folks. Jackson State last year had problems with having running water at their facilities. And now they're pulling in five-star recruits. This and is unprecedented. There was like, like 40,000 people at one of the games. Yeah, they, they have the highest attendance in the FCS. Um, you know, it's unbelievable the crowds they're able to bring in. The, the job that Dion's doing is phenomenal, and I'm happy for him. This is great for HBCUs. Uh, those programs deserve to have a platform and a stage of some sorts. You got the Celebration Bowl coming up this weekend, which is the HBCU National Championship. Um, but this is big time. And I'm happy for Dion. I've always been a Dion fan. And we'll see what, what's next. I think he's going to end up with a big-time coaching job in college football in the near future. And we'll see if he can bring primetime to that next level, too. In the meantime, he's making the most of what he has at Jackson State. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and get to our Around the NFL segment this week. We already touched on Urban Meyer, but we want to look at the rest of the slate of the NFL games this week, beginning tonight, Thursday night football, Chiefs and Chargers. Huge game on hand at SoFi Stadium. Tom, the uh, winner of this game very well might win the division between the Chiefs and Chargers here. And in the Chiefs' case, you win this one, you're up two games with just a few games left. You pretty much for sure have this one wrapped up. Chiefs have played really good football the last few weeks on both sides of the ball. I don't think their offense has played to their full potential just yet, even though they've played better the last few weeks. Chargers, on the other hand, have shown so much inconsistency and starts with the run game. They got to get Austin Eckler more involved as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they do. And did he get banged up last week? Um, I'm not exactly sure on that. I'm going to look because I saw one of the Chargers running back get some play in fantasy this past week <clears throat> just because, you know, a potential injured Austin Eckler Eckler. is questionable. So, yeah, okay. So, if he doesn't play, you know, that's – it's going to be pretty huge. Um, and not only the Chiefs are on a roll right now. Um, I mean, they're just a, a well-oiled machine of what we thought they should have been all season. Um, you know, this game played uh, this Thursday night. And, you know, if the Chiefs, like you said, if they can go ahead and take care of business this, uh, in this one, then, you know, watch out. Getting hot at the right time, I think. The uh, Raiders and the Browns, uh, both these teams still technically in the playoff hunt at this point. The Raiders have been such a mess, but every once in a while they have their moments. The Browns last week pulled off an upset win over the Ravens. They find themselves at 7-6. and six. No Baker Mayfield, though, as uh, he's been diagnosed with uh, COVID. Uh, he's out. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is also out with COVID. Uh, Brown's a little shorthanded here, Tom. What do we think about uh, about this game here? You know, Jones, I, I think the Raiders have a pretty good shot here. Um, 
you know, they've kind of been on a downturn lately, but, uh, you know, playing a banged up Browns team, I feel like the Browns haven't been able to catch a break really all season. Um, what with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb trading injuries back and forth, back and forth. Um, and, you know, the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff and Baker going down with injuries. And, um, you know, they've been just trashed all season. They've had the, the bad luck bug. And so I think the Raiders, you know, their season's, I think, pretty much done and over with. I think they can get a win here. Yeah, if – there's a good a time as ever to get an upset. Uh, it's this right here for the Raiders. Golden opportunity for them. Casey Keenum has played well when he has to when he's had to fill in for Baker Mayfield and and uh, you know the uh, the Browns uh, were without Stefanski in that playoff game against the uh, Steelers last year where they dominated. So we'll see. Uh, Patriots and Colts. Patriots have looked like one of the best teams in football the last few weeks. The hottest team in the NFL right now on a seven-game winning streak. They're coming off a bye. They take on this Indianapolis team who's played well themselves. Indy is favored in this game here. Tom, uh, for me, it's uh, it's about the run game for New England here. Uh, can Indianapolis, with their defense that's been inconsistent, do they have an answer for the run game of New England? I say no. You know, and, and, and I think the Patriots have a good enough defense to somewhat slow down Jonathan Taylor. Um, so, you know, like you mentioned on the flip side, can Indy's inconsistent defense stop Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? I don't, you know, I don't know if they can. I, I really, and, and you know, Mac Jones, I get it. He didn't really have a lot of play in the, the game against Buffalo just because it was like, I'm sure what Buffalo looked like last night probably looked like what Omaha looked like last night for you, 80 mile an hour wins and that stuff. So I get why he didn't pass a whole bunch, but. New England, you know, they're they're hot at the right time too, and they, you know, I, I don't want to say this, but they, I mean, they're they're able to play for their own destiny. I mean, nothing's standing in their way, so it's be a tough out to uh, hand New England a loss right now. Yeah, it would it certainly would. Uh, Tennessee taking on Pittsburgh. Uh, Tennessee, Tom, they got some good news. Derrick Henry potentially could be back for the postseason. In the meantime. It's kind of just ride the wave of some sorts. Just try to get through these next few weeks. The Steelers, I don't think, are that great of a football team, but they're capable of playing well any given week here. Uh, big trap game here for Tennessee. Yeah, it is. I mean, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they're like a they're like a, a bad light bulb, just very twitchy. But when you know when the right when the right cords tweak in the right place, I mean, they can go off. Uh, just really what. Pittsburgh team are we going to be able to see? I think the Titans should be able to take care of business, though. Panthers and Bills. The uh, Panthers have been just a hot mess uh, the last few weeks after starting off the season so hot. And Cam Newton got benched last week. P.J. Walker got some playing time. Sounds like we could see both quarterbacks in this game. The Bills at 7-6. and six. This is a team, Tom, that at one point in the year looked like the best team in the AFC, but has just hit a wall the last few weeks. And, you know, last week struggled for three quarters against Tampa Bay, came back, made it a game, sent it to overtime, ultimately to lose to the uh, Bucks. there. Uh, if you're the Bills and you're looking to get back on track, this is a good team to uh, do so here against uh, Carolina. Yeah, I think so. And, and Buffalo – um, you know, that they, they've been so close in the games that they've lost that, 
you know, it's it's almost catching up to them if they don't right the ship right here. I'd say they're in somewhat danger of missing the playoffs if they don't get it figured out. So I think this is a must win. Washington and uh, Philadelphia. Uh, that game coming up on Sunday at noon. Uh, both these teams not out of the playoff picture just yet. A uh, must-win game for uh, both these teams here. Tom, you got uh, Washington's defense who's played better the last few weeks. Philadelphia on the other end. Uh, you know, their uh, offense uh, with Jalen Hurts has uh, been up and down. Yeah, you know, I, I like Philly in this one. I think Philly's defense has the potential to be pretty good. Um, and, you know, I, I, is Taylor Heineke playing? I know he was out last week. He played a little bit in the game and then got taken out to, to I'm guessing, an apparent injury. Uh, Taylor Heineke, his status uh, for this one is uh, – I'm looking it up right now as we speak. It looks like Heineke is going to be back. But Jalen Hurts is questionable as well as Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a bad battle of, uh, you know, injury-prone uh, teams. So, you know, I, I, I think this is a toss-up game, to be honest. But I think you're right. It's a must-win for Philly. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, moving on now, Texans and Jags. Uh, that game coming up on on Sunday. Uh, Tom, both these teams, so bad. I don't know why anyone would watch this game, even if you're a fan of these uh, two teams. Go rake the leaves or something else. Um, but if you're the, uh, the Jags, I would think first game without Urban Meyer, I bet they come out motivated. I bet, uh, I bet they come back excited to, uh, to play without their uh, head coach, uh, their now former head coach, Urban Meyer here. Last time uh, these two teams met Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I have to lean towards the, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's, uh, this is, I like what you had to say. This is a very go rake the Leafs game. Uh, this is not a game I will be watching, not even on red zone. If if your local CBS puts this game on, uh, call them and demand they change the game. I will take a I, – I would rather rewatch Bedlam. Now, I'll even, I'll even up the stakes. I think I'd rather rewatch OSU lose in the Big 12 championship game than to, than to watch this game. Would you rather rake the leaves? Uh, that I don't know how much, it really depends on how many leaves we're talking. Okay. Just like an average amount of leaves. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Cowboys and uh, giants, uh, the Cowboys, uh, they look like they're in a good shape, uh, in the NFC East at nine and four, the giants at four and nine. And we heard Jerry Jones straight up say that Dak is in a bit of a slump right now. And Tom, he's not wrong. Dak looked like an MVP candidate a few weeks ago, and he he's looked far from that the last few weeks. Yeah, I don't know if you got to see the the pick he threw against Washington last week, um, but he <laughs> the him and that Dallas offense about gave that game away. Um, so he's he's not looked great. I I think he I think for Dallas they have to figure it that they have to figure it out. They have to figure it out quick. Because uh, they're not going to get gimme games, or you know, any team better than Washington probably would have come back and beat Dallas. Yeah, I think you're right about that. The uh, Cardinals and the Lions. Cardinals uh, coming off a loss to the Rams on Monday night. Now they take on one of the worst teams in the league on the road. Uh, how ugly is this one going to be, Tom? You know, I think it could. I think it could be bad. 
Um, you know, I think it's going to be a pissed off Arizona team. I think they were, you know, fairly, you know, capable and confident in the Rams game, as was I in the Cardinals, considering the Rams had so many players out. Um, so I think you're going to get a pissed off Cardinals team. So I think it could get real bad. Another rake the leaves game, Jets and Dolphins. Um, Tua, Tom, uh, at this point, I don't think he's going to be back in Miami next year, but he's kind of auditioning for other jobs at this point. Yeah, and you know what? Miami has had a, a decent run after starting out so bad. Uh, you know, I don't know if Miles or, yeah, Gaskin, I don't know if he's going to play. Um, I, I think it's looking good because he was on the COVID list, but coming out of a bye, you get the Jets. Um, you know, I think Miami, I still somewhat think they have something to play for. The uh, Bengals taking on the Broncos, uh, both teams uh, in the playoff hunt at this point, trying to make a, a wild card. The Bengals actually not out of contention completely in the uh, AFC North at this point. Tom, uh, I- I'm surprised the Broncos are still hanging around there with all they've been through this year. The Bengals, I think they are what we anticipated them to be. But uh, the Broncos, a bit surprising they're still still around right now. Yeah, it is. It is, especially, you know, I feel like ever since we wrote the Broncos off when we were like, you know what, they're just uh, – this ain't the year for them. They're, you know, trade uh, Von Miller and, and go away and do what they need to do and pack it up for next year. Ever since we talked about that and said that, they've really come out and, and I don't know, like a personal vendetta against our prediction. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Broncos could pull this off. But, you know, like you said, the Bengals aren't out of it either just yet. I do still think the Bengals are one year away from, you know, maybe next year. I feel like the Bengals could be a, a, a real potential player um, in the playoffs. You know, they, they say ignore the noise, but based on the way certain teams have performed with what you've said about them, you know, like when you wrote off the Chiefs and said their championship window had closed, um, you know, it, it – everybody just reacts. You you get their attention. You get that out of people some way, Tom. Um, The uh, Falcons taking on the uh, 49ers, that game coming up on Sunday afternoon. Falcons at six and seven, Niners at uh, seven and six. Tom, the records may be close, but I think the Niners are a lot better football team than uh, Atlanta right now. Yeah, they definitely are. And, and for Atlanta, it's, you know, I don't even know where you go from here if you're Atlanta. I mean, you just do you just pack it in and call it a day? Uh, the 49ers, I mean, their season's pretty much over as well. But, um, you know, I, the 49ers still, I think they have a fight in them like they know they could have been better this season. Um, they've kind of had the injury bug all year too. So, um, I like the 49ers. Seahawks and Rams, that game in L.A. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Tom, looking at uh, this one here for the uh, the Rams, you get the much-needed win on Monday after that slump that they went through. They have OBJ involved. You've had some guys go to the COVID list and whatnot, but even with that being said here, the Rams are playing so much better than the Seahawks. Even with a few guys out, I would expect a Rams win here uh, pretty easily. Yeah, and I think they build off of that Cardinals win as well. Um, I like the Rams here, and I know even the Seahawks, I think it was just released. They got the COVID bug just a wee bit, too. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. 
The uh, Packers and the Ravens uh, looking at uh, this game. That's going to be a Sunday afternoon in Baltimore. The Ravens have so many issues. So many things have piled up for this team. The Packers at 10 and three right now, very well could be the team to beat in the NFC, despite both these teams being in the upper echelons of their conference. Tom, I I like where the Packers are at a whole lot more than I do where the Ravens are at right now. Yeah, I mean, the Packers, uh, they've had their their COVID issues and their injury issues as well, but um, the Packers are looking real strong right now. Yeah, they're playing uh, some really good football at this point in time. Saints and Bucks. The uh, Bucks, you go through this next stretch, the uh, next four weeks, very easy finish for the Bucks. They might end up with home field just based on how well the schedule goes for them to close out the, uh, the rest of the year. This is probably the toughest opponent that they have left at uh, this point. The Saints, Taysom Hill's been playing quarterback. He hasn't been playing too great. The Bucs, man, you know, they're, they're even playing better than they did at, uh, when they won the Super Bowl last year. They're running the football well. Tom Brady looks great. The defense is there. Um, this could be a bloodbath on Sunday night between these two teams, Tom. Yeah, I mean, the um, the Saints, I, I feel like they had some hope at one point in time, but it's not looking good. Um, I mean, I, I think they would be a little bit better with Jameis Winston back, but still not not as not as what they could, you know, not what they could have been, really. I mean, it's not good. It's a mess. Uh, that Bucks team, though, um, what a, what a job for for them. You know, if you look at what they did, went on the Super Bowl when they were still figuring themselves out last year, the rest of the league, Tom, should be on notice about where the Bucks are at right now to think they're even better than what they were. They they don't even need Antonio Brown. I mean, look at the guys that have stepped up here. I mean, the, the Bucks have embraced this next man up mentality. It's worked out well for them, just fine. Yeah, it has, and, and Brady's playing pretty well, too. Um, I mean, I think they're posed for another deep run, maybe even a Super Bowl run. I mean, they are the defending champs. Right. And uh, last game on the NFL slate, the Vikings and the Bears. Um, please, can we stop putting the Bears in primetime games for all that is holy? My goodness. Um, Justin Fields, although, did look good last week. Give him credit. Uh, the young quarterback, he's developing nicely. And these two coaches, Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer, we've been saying for a long time, Tom, that uh, both of them are on the verge of getting fired, that their jobs are just kind of week by week. Uh, I'll say this, the loser of this game, their, their coach has got to be gone by Tuesday, right? I mean, you would think. You would think. But, you know, after the Lions beating the Vikings, I thought for sure Zimmer was gone, but – you know, if he sticks around, even if they lose to the Bears, I'd imagine at this point they'll just wait till the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and you look at these two teams, the Vikings don't have a defense, although their offense can score points. The Bears, their offensive line is terrible. Their defense has had some problems here. Um, th- this this is going to be an ugly football game. Uh, you know, you can't rake the leaves Monday night. It's going to be too dark, but maybe get in the hot tub or find something else to do on Monday. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll probably still watch just to see how the Vikings do just because the Rams play them up, I believe next week. So 
that or if you just don't have anything else to do. I mean, I might just clean my room and do some laundry and maybe go to sleep early. It's not a game you stay late for. There we go. That That's the – now we have the sleep early window. You have the rake leaves games and you have the sleep early games. Um, and, you know, the short week, if you work at just a normal job uh, next week, short week. Um, so, you know, maybe – you know, maybe you don't need as much sleep, but maybe you do want to get some sleep before you have to deal with your family for Christmas. That could be a good point. So there you have it. That's our look around the NFL. We'll have more NFL discussion with Bridget Condon coming up in just a moment. Also going to have Coach Bo's football fix, plus our Tom Fulry story of the week as well, coming up in just a moment. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now here at the Jones Report this week is one of the newest members of the NFL Network. Bridget Condon joins us as we're talking all things NFL going around the National Football League. Bridget, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, you've been there a couple months now. A pretty exciting times, I imagine, there joining that great team at, uh, at L.A., just, just outside of SoFi Stadium there. It's incredible. Every single day when I come to work and I'm literally staring at SoFi Stadium right now, it's insane. Like this building is absolutely amazing. I know you got a tour a couple months ago, but still feels like a dream come true. Every time I walk through these doors, I'm surrounded by so many incredible journalists, uh, those both on and off camera could not be more excited for the opportunities to come here. Yeah, that's great. And uh, your background, uh, you, you came to the NFL Network by way of Raleigh, right? Yeah, so I started in local TV in Charlottesville after graduating from college in Virginia. I worked there two years as a sports anchor and reporter, and then from there made the jump to Raleigh. So I was covering a lot of college sports, Duke, UNC, NC State. I covered Roy Williams retiring, Coach K announcing his retirement. So a lot of college basketball, some Panthers and the NHL team there, the Hurricanes. So coming here was a bit of an adjustment switching just to NFL, but it's been awesome to kind of hone in on one sport and focus really and learn the ins and outs just of the NFL. Oh yeah. That's terrific. And uh, I believe you said you're from Massachusetts originally. Are you a, are you a Patriots fan? Oh God. Here come the haters. Yeah. I grew up 20 minutes from Gillette. So Definite Patriots fan. Uh, my high school football team played in what they call the Super Bowl, which is the state championship, my junior and senior year in Gillette Stadium. Oh, so cool. I had such a connection and they won my senior year. So Tom Brady, he's my guy, even though he, you know, did what he did. <laughs> did what he did. That's, <laughs> that's one way to put it. So let's go ahead and start there then. Uh, what do you make of what Belichick's done with uh, this New England team getting to this point here in uh, 2021? I think he is showing us what Bill Belichick is capable of, right? When Tom Brady and Bill went through that divorce, there was all this question of, is it Bill? Is it Tom Brady? Who is the, the leader here? Who is the force? Tom Brady goes to the Super Bowl. The Patriots have that down year last season. Everyone was on board with Tom Brady, but I think we forget that Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick, and he is very good at what he does, and we've seen it the way that they were able to get Mac Jones in the draft. The fact that he was still available is, is something beyond me, but he takes this rookie guy. I think in the beginning of the season, we saw there was still some development and, and Mac Jones is, is great, but he is still a rookie. There is still so much for him to learn, but what Bill is able to do is he is able to use the other parts of the team and excel where they have strengths and let Mac 
mess up if he needs to mess up, you know, and, and have other areas that are continuing to help push this team forward and not just put everything on him, making the game easier for him. I think that's what we're seeing too. And I think he's done an incredible job. I know that people were laughing, but he definitely should be in conversation for coach of the year. I think he is the coach of the year personally. Uh, I don't think there's much debate to it as far as I'm concerned, but you know, looking at that, with, with that being said, of what Belichick has done with this New England team, Bridget, it doesn't look like on paper this is by any means the most talented team in the league at all, not even close, yet here they are, and every week Belichick finds a new weakness to pick a part of his opponents. To me, it's all about Bill here uh, with, with what he's put together. It's, it's all about Belichick and why they're in this position here. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's what makes him such an outstanding coach is because he uses the pieces that he does have and he figures out there are other coaches, there are other teams that say, you know, we are missing this quarterback or we are missing this offensive lineman, this key piece of our team. And we're not going to be good until we get that. Well, Bill, of course, they made, you know, a lot of changes in the offseason. They did well in free agency, but he's taking the pieces that he has and saying, okay. Like you said, how can we attack the other team based on our our personnel? Um, and I think I, I do think though this is such a strange year in the NFL. I don't know if it's because it's my first year working for NFL Network and I'm seeing it day in and day out more than I ever have. But this season is so bizarre to me. I really don't think there is one team that anybody could right now put money down and say they're going to be the Super Bowl champion. I, I don't know. I think it could be – it is still, in what, week 15, anybody's game. Yeah. I mean, uh, the team I used to cover, my team, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, were left for dead just a few weeks ago. And now you look right. at the way that defense has stepped up, Patrick Mahomes fighting himself. That team hasn't gone away. they got a big game uh, right in your neck of the woods on Thursday night here against the Chargers. That's going to be a telling game, especially for the Chargers. Justin Herbert has been looking phenomenal, as he does. It's the battle of two of the best young quarterbacks, in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And can the Chargers play on a big, a big stage Thursday night football and continue to do what they've been able to do on offense? Or, you know, their run defense has struggled this season. Not that's not something that you want to be in one of the lowest of the category when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that is going to be a really telling game for both of these teams to see who's who and where are we as we approach playoffs. Yeah, uh, the Patriots and the Chiefs right now, I think, look like the two best teams in the AFC. Who would you give the edge to? Do you like that New England team better or that Kansas City bunch? Uh, I think, you know, as a my, the bias in me wants to say the Patriots. I, I, I would like to see how Mac Jones does in the environment like Arrowhead Stadium uh, in the playoffs. You know, right. like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had to face Tom Brady, what, a couple times in, in the AFC. Uh, and he kind of got used to it. But that was, what year was it? I don't even know what year it is. When they lost in the AFC Championship to the Patriots. 2019, uh, yeah. 2019, you know, Patrick Mahomes was still getting used to all of it. Can mm-hmm. Mac Jones handle the pressure, handle the environment on the road against a Patrick Mahomes, against a fan base that is going to be making his job entirely difficult? I don't know. I think Patrick has the edge there. Mm-hmm. But again, I would not put anything past Bill Belichick. Right. 
Well, and, and along those same lines, you know, I, I really like what Mac Jones has done this year. 70% completion percentage. He's in good position to possibly be offensive rookie of the year. Um, but, you know, he, he's been protected of some sorts to an extent, too. You're not going to get away with right. only throwing the ball three times against that Kansas City defense like you would against a Buffalo team. Yes, exactly. Great point. Like, it, back to my point of Bill making it easy for him. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. So once you get past the Patriots and the Chiefs and the AFC, mm. do you think there's anybody that can hang with those guys? Who's that next team you think that possibly uh, rattles some feathers there in the AFC? In the AFC? Uh, I thought you were saying in the Super Bowl, so oh, I was thinking sorry. NFC. Yes. Um, I don't know. A few weeks ago, I would have said the Ravens, but I just – I mean, the Bills too. Like, But I don't think the Bills will get past the Patriots if they have to play – you know, in a wild card situation or however that works, um, where it all ends. Um, and Lamar Jackson, I know he was, he suffered a little of an injury. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue, but I'm trying to think, I don't, I mean, Titans would have said a couple weeks ago, but who do you pick? Oh, man, uh, I would lean towards the Chargers, but I don't say that with any confidence. It feels I should like... have said that. <laughs> I'm like, I cover this team. But I think I just saw some weaknesses from them. But I, I think Thursday night will be telling. Yeah. Um, well, and along those same lines, I think everybody's expecting the Chiefs to win. If the Chargers make it competitive, I mean, I'm not for moral victories whatsoever, but – that could at least send a message of some sorts that this could be the next team beyond that group. Right. And if they're able to get, uh, you know, if they win on Thursday and that puts them in a position to get a home playoff game, what right. kind of advantage does that have? Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see. Uh, I want to move on to the NFC side now. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, what's going on there? seems like oh that, there's a lot more teams towards the top, comparatively speaking, what we see in the AFC there. Yeah, you know, the beginning of this season, it was like the NFC was dominating and the AFC was working things out. Now I feel like after last night, I mean, we all think the Cardinals, Kyler Murray's back, DeAndre Hopkins back. They're going to destroy the Rams. Like if I had to make a bet, which I don't do, <laughs> I would have had the Cardinals. Yeah. 10 out of 10. And the Rams came in there with two of their best players put on COVID reserve list hours before the game. I mean, I was shocked. Um, and they do it in Arizona. I, I mean, but I think regardless where it is, Arizona or the Rams, I think it's Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers has that team right where he wants it. And – you know, they're going. They're going to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Green Bay's the uh, team to beat in the NFC. And and I, I love what, what Aaron and company have done to get better as this season has gone along, that progression week by week. They're a whole different team than what they were uh, that week one show against New Orleans. Absolutely. And I think that, again, goes to – if we think back to this summer when there was so much doubt of – Aaron Rodgers even being the starting quarterback in Green Bay, right? right? He wasn't going to practice and he wanted a trade and there was all of this these issues and I think this is his last year in Green Bay and I think he knows that. And I think he is doing everything in his power to use his ability and his knowledge. He's a really smart guy, right? <laughs> we yeah. all saw him on Jeopardy. He's very intelligent. 
I think that intelligence is pouring over to his players. I think these guys know that he has done so much for this organization. We want to do everything in our power to help him win a Super Bowl. Um, and I think he's taking the extra time. I mean, he was, you know, in quarantine for however many days. I'm sure he was just watching film over and over and over. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And Except for when and he that, dropped out on his toe. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and that run game, too with uh with uh Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon that yeah, looks like it as, out. that looks like as good of a backfield as anybody in football right now. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely are figuring it out. All the pieces are coming together, which is it's like it to me this feels like their time and it, it's theirs to lose. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you there. You you mentioned the uh the Rams and getting that win against Arizona. I know that you cover Huge. that team closely right there. Uh, they're sitting at nine and four. They were in a bit of a slump. You think that was the the confidence boost that team needed on Monday? Absolutely. For them to go into Arizona, the best team in the NFC, and win without their players, go through that adversity to find out that news just minutes before, I think that was huge because they were really good. If you think back to the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about the Rams. Then they get OBJ. Then they get Von Miller. They lose three in a row and everyone's like, okay, this team isn't going to do it. But I think what we forget as fans is football is a complex sport. Right. You know, you can't just join a team and it's basketball and we're all fine. I think OBJ has the, the offense that Sean McVay creates is very complex. And I think it has taken OBJ a while to learn that. We also forget that Robert Woods, might not been a guy that, you know, scoring all these touchdowns, but he was a huge key to that offense. He worked as, you know, so kind of like an offensive lineman when he wasn't catching pass. He was a staple to that team. And I think once he left, OBJ comes in, but OBJ was not up to speed as much as maybe we thought. Yes, he's a smart player, but it still takes a minute. I think what we've seen, what we saw Monday night is just the progression of how well he is adjusting and Matthew Stafford too. I don't know what was going on during those couple of weeks. He had so many turnovers, like uh, uncharacteristic for three games or whatever. I think they're figuring it out. And I think it's just taking time with all those moving parts. Yeah. And now you have these COVID issues popping up more so than we saw on Monday night here. The road ahead for the Rams uh, is not looking easy uh, down the stretch. Not not good timing for all this to happen either. Yeah. What's interesting, though, about COVID this time around is Tyler Higby, who was put on the COVID list yesterday, is already off of it. He's activated. He can play. I think nine guys today were placed onto it, including OBJ. What, talking to Sean McVay, it sounded like all those guys were vaccinated and none of them were feeling sick. So with the rules in the NFL, all they need is two negative tests and no symptoms, 24 hours apart, and they'll be good to play Sunday. So I think it's too early in the week to say, you know, to really think into who's going to be there and who's not going to be, because at this point they could all be fine, but it's just tomorrow. Is there anyone else that's going to, you know, be affected? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, we're talking to Bridget Condon of the NFL Network here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, you mentioned OBJ. Had a really nice night on Monday. Six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. And when he came in after Robert Woods was hurt, there was kind of this belief that he was stepping in to fill the role of Robert Woods. But that wasn't necessarily true. It was more so that he needed to be OBJ, not be Robert Woods. And now they're starting to 
find that chemistry, it seems. Absolutely. And Robert Woods is a guy that is a, a veteran guy on this team and one of those, you know, those guys that everyone listens to in the locker room. And that's why, again, his presence was so missed both on and off the field for the Rams. Odell Beckham Jr. is Odell Beckham Jr. Nobody's going to put him into a box. He is himself. So I think there was so much talk. Is OBJ going to fit into this locker room? Is it going to be too much of a distraction? Everything that happened with the Browns, it was like, you know, people wanted to say he was this toxic guy. Whatever happened there, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm not here to, you know, sure. make assumptions. But everything that I've heard since he's been here, everything that Sean McVay has said is that this this guy is fit into the locker room. He's asking, how can I help? He's working with Matthew Stafford anytime he can to try and build that chemistry and figure out what he can be doing and continuing to learn. I think he is, he's got a lot left in the tank and I think he's finally showcasing that here and they have the ability with a passer like Matthew Stafford to use him and, and see, see that chemistry continue to build as he learns the playbook playbook even more. Well, and, and, uh, Along those same lines, you know, I, I agree with you. We don't know what happened in, in Cleveland, those specifics. But when you look at what that organization has been through uh, of dysfunction of some sorts, the Rams have been a stable organization the last few years. They've embraced the L.A. culture and mindset and such. It, it, it seems like I know that the Browns have been better the last couple of years, but but still they things seem to be a lot more stable there with how the Rams tend to run things as opposed to Cleveland anyway. I mean, a lot of it is just about where you fit in. Yeah, I would agree. I think Sean McVay now has been here, you know, a couple of years and has established they, they are buying to LA and there are players who want to be in LA, you know, right. if the Rams were in, I mean, even with Green Bay, I mean, OBJ, I think it came down to the Rams and Green Bay, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Green Bay's cold. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that they are using it to their advantage and they know that this is a destination that these players want to be in. So how can we make the money work and figure it out to get the best guys here? Yeah. And without them, you know, I think, OBJ had a conversation with a lot of these players before he got here. And they said to him, you know, Hey, this is how we do things here. We would love to have you if you're on board. And he was, and he has been from everything that I've been told. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, you know, I mean, Marcus Peters wasn't happy in Kansas city. Things went a lot better with him with the Rams, Jalen Ramsey with the Rams. Now, hey. I mean, it's just a different, different atmosphere, you know, different, uh, you know, some guys fit better so they have other things to work out. Right. But, yeah. I mean, their special teams is, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, the defending champs, the, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks with, uh, tied for the best record in the NFC, Tom Brady with that walk-off win against Buffalo there. They look even better than they did last year when they won the Super Bowl. Bridget, what say you? Uh, can we talk about the rest of their season? Yeah. I think they have the easiest, what they have the saints and then the Panthers twice. And who else is it? The Cowboys, maybe? I believe so, uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. How did this happen? I saw it pop up on the TV last night, and I was like, this is the easiest schedule. Saints, Panthers, Jets, and Panthers. Jets. Yeah, nothing. I don't know. I was thinking the Cowboys. Yeah, the Jets, Panthers twice, and the Saints. I mean, come on. It's like it just – but 
I don't know. Everything is coming together. I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if we're on, we're coming up on three weeks, right? Since Antonio Brown was uh, suspended for Mm -hmm. the, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Because that was, you know, something that I thought, is this going to be a cloud that is over them? But again, when you have a guy like Tom Brady in the locker room leading a team, I think he is so focused on winning that these distractions don't matter no matter what they are, even if they are parts of his offense. You think Brady's the uh, MVP front runner right now? That's the easy answer, yeah. I think <laughs> – I mean, yeah, I would probably say if we're going – <laughs> Yeah, I need to look at the stats because Aaron Rodgers is doing great too. But I, I think, I, I think if I had a vote, it would be Tom Brady. Okay, okay. I, 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 it's it's the easy answer. I agree. You know, he's playing terrific. And you know, one one of the things I look at too, Bridget, is that we mentioned with if you look around the league, the elite teams all have a running game that's come together. Leonard Fournette, you know, Jacksonville given up on a couple of years ago. He's playing the best football of his career right now. They, they, they get great balance there in Tampa, it seems. Leonard Four Tutties. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Andrew Whitworth, a veteran guy on the Rams, during that time where the Rams had those three game, that three-game losing streak. And I was asking him, what's going on? And he said exactly that. He said, the teams that are successful are the ones who can run the ball in December and January. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to find. And you just said it. The best teams right now are able to execute that. And as you, we get later into the season, you have to be able to. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, a few more things before we let you go, uh, Bridget. Uh, I got to ask you about this situation in Jacksonville. What on earth is uh, going on with Urban Meyer and company these days? It seems like it's something new every week here. It's like nobody ever taught him that if you're in the spotlight and you've already been questioned or put on the the hot seat, just kind of chill, just fly under the radar. No, he, I don't know what it is. Does he just want the headlines? Does he like this attention? When I read what he said to his assistants this week, I was like, how is this guy still in the NFL? How? It's a million dollar question. I I, I don't understand it. And I I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence and all this. This has got to be stunning his growth of some sort i was thinking the other day because they were here a couple weeks ago at sofi and i was wondering do you think he's having fun (laughs) like obviously he is but this is a quarterback who went to clemson and did he even lose a game a couple he he, uh he never lost a regular season game right so (laughs) he's probably like what is going on I, I don't understand it. Uh, it's a lot of money, so that's fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, I, I never liked the idea of Urban Meyer being an NFL head coach to begin with. But uh, I think it, it addresses a bigger issue, too. Why is Urban Meyer a head coach when there are so many incredible minority candidates out there? Because if one of them were in his position doing what he's he did, I don't know. You tell yeah. me. They would I mean, still be- Eric Bieniemy in the last two off seasons should have gotten a head coaching job. Yeah, I would be shocked if he's there next year. <laughs> I I would you know I would like to see him uh, you know for as a Chiefs fan, uh, but you know for the betterment of him, I would like him to get a job, uh, head coaching job somewhere. But you look no, at I'm talking it, about I mean, Urban Meyer. Sorry. Oh, Urban Meyer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be shocked. 
Those, <laughs> yes, I would be shocked if Urban Meyer's there too. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 you're fine. Uh, but you look at that situation, and then uh, you see teams like Minnesota and Chicago, they'll probably move on from their coaches too. The, the, in a couple of weeks, I think we're going to be talking about a decent number of openings here. Absolutely. I mean, it's just that time, right? That's why they say in the NFL, you can never be too comfortable because if you're not winning, owners are going to do whatever they can to get those ticket sales and get their teams back winning. I mean, I, I think Matt Rule, I mean, yes, he fired Joe Brady, but he better be careful because I think he has another year, but you can just never be too, too comfortable. There is going to be a lot of changes in the next couple of weeks for sure. That one you mentioned in Carolina is a fascinating situation because they started out the year so well. I don't understand them. Their defense is incredible. And then all of a sudden they're not. I, I think it's the co- I think there is something going on there with the coaching, whether they're not. I mean, we talk about penalties too, right? Where do penalties go back to? They go back to discipline. Well, what's happening in practice? Why is this happening? Why are players still making these same mistakes? I'm not there, you know, in those meetings Sure. inside practice. So I can't speak too much on that, but they're exactly. There's a reason why they started well and why they're playing the way they are now. Bridget, uh, before we let you run here, uh, I know that not only are you on the anchor desk doing some great stuff with NFL network, but uh, you're covering the, the fantasy side as well. What's uh, what's your team's uh, doing? Uh, you, you on pace to make any championship games this year? What's going on with there? No, I haven't actually done much fantasy coverage yet. I think that will happen as I continue to to grow in this role with NFL Network. But I am out of the playoffs. My team was horrible. Um, I think it's probably a a good good thing that I'm done. And you know, we we just focus. And I was sick of losing. My <laughs> <laughs> team I auto drafted, and it wasn't one of those good auto drafts. And, there was a lot going on during, I don't know. I think it was like moving or something. What, how's your team? Uh, I got one team that's, uh, that, that's like, you know, in second place and another team that I, I had like four or five guys go to IR this year. So. Right. Look at the draw. <laughs> how it goes. Right. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Bridget, uh, where can people follow you and see all the, uh, the great work you're doing? I know that you're just getting started the NFL network and you got some great stuff coming up the pipe here too. Yeah, absolutely. I have a really exciting article coming out, I think tomorrow or Thursday. Um, So by the time this releases, hopefully it should be up um, on Corey Lindsley, who is the Chargers Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. It was such an awesome time interviewing him and his wife and the what they're doing in the community in his first year in Los Angeles is incredible. I encourage everyone to go read that on NFL.com, but then for other content, I'm on Instagram at Bridget Condon TV and then Twitter Bridget Condon underscore. Someone has Bridget Condon. So that's why I had the underscore. You'll you'll get it eventually. You know, Yeah, I hope (laughs) Bridget appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, talk in down the line. Best of luck and enjoy the rest of the NFL season. Great. Thanks so much. It was awesome to be here and good luck to you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook at brian.o'connor.com. 
at lpl.com and uh that's the email address and uh that's brian with a y dot o'connor at lpl.com facebook page o'connor advisor group bo joins us right now bo uh right off the top i don't know if you've seen this but did you hear that uh kevin james is going to be playing your boy uh sean payton in a movie really first of all, i'm shocked they're making a movie with sean payton secondly there's kevin james and, and, and here's why I'm laughing now about this, is that the celebrity I'm told I look like the most is Kevin James. Have you ever thought you could play Sean Payton in a movie? No, I thought I could do his job before, but I never thought I could play him in a movie. I don't think I'm much of an actor. So it's a Netflix movie on Sean Payton's year that he was suspended. And <laughs> <laughs> Kevin James, like... Go as Sean Payton goes back to normal life and has to coach like his uh, his kid in Pop Warner football. You know, I saw things when Sean Payton like did stuff that was on like the message boards and not of like Sean Payton was going to the Bahamas and hanging out and meeting people and you know maybe you know indulged in a few drinks and some people of the uh, opposite sex and that sort of thing. So uh, I I'd like to hear some of these stories too. I guess I know he did coach like his son's team or something. Right. That's what the movie revolves around. And (laughs) it looks absurd. It's going to be on Netflix. It looks like what would be a straight to DVD movie. That sounds about right. Sean Payton's kind of a straight to DVD coach. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. We're coming out. Hey, look, has any coach, I've said it before, has any coach lived off of one championship as long as Sean Payton has? Um, No. Yeah. There you go. So there you have it. We'll, uh, we won't be watching. That's funny stuff, though. Kevin James is, is an athletic guy. He was a quarterback in college. I mean, Kevin James is a fat guy like me. How's he going to pull that off? Are they going to CGI that? I don't understand that one. Do you think Sean Payton's probably insulted that Kevin James is playing him? Oh, yeah. He's probably saying, why is this fat fucker doing going to be like me? Yeah, I can't be me. <laughs> I'm in here doing CrossFit. I can't, you know, you got to have that fat piece. Yeah. I, it's probably the same thing he thinks when he gets my emails. I mean, this one, I don't know what he's talking about. Let's start out with the uh, O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em, our picks against the spread. We have college bowl games on the slate this week. Five uh, college games, five NFL games. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl between Utah State and Oregon State. Oregon State favored by seven. The Independence Bowl, UAB taking on number 13, BYU. BYU favored by seven. The New Orleans Bowl, number 23, Louisiana, taking on Marshall. Louisiana favored by five. The Frisco Bowl featuring UTSA and number 24, San Diego State. UTSA favored by two and a half. The Cure Bowl, Northern Illinois, taking on Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina favored by 10 and a half. In the NFL this week, it is the Chiefs and the Chargers on Thursday night football. Chiefs favored by three. Packers and Ravens, Packers favored by four and a half. Patriots and Colts, the Colts favored by two and a half at home. Bengals and Broncos, the Broncos favored by one and a half. The Titans and the Steelers, the Titans favored by one and a half on the road. So, Bo, let's start out with the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Jimmy Kimmel didn't even remember the teams that were playing in his own bowl game this week. But nonetheless, it's happening. Oregon State favored by seven. What do you think here, Bo? I don't have a good read on these. A couple of these games I have no read on at all. So, uh, fade my picks here if you need to. But I'm going to take Utah State. I like getting seven points, and I just know historically in bowl games, underdogs play particularly well. So 
Um, again, not knowing a lot about either team right now. I'm going to go with Utah State, take seven, and uh, maybe Jimmy Kimmel will be there to give him a nice prize afterwards. Right. Maybe uh, Guillermo's there and everything. Yeah, um, yeah Cousin Sal. and you know. Everybody, the whole yeah. gang. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Utah State here. I like what Blake Anderson's done with that program. He did a really good job at Arkansas State. Now he's uh, building that thing up there at Utah State. Give me a Utah State to cover seven. I agree with you there. The Independence Bowl, UAB taking on number 13, BYU. BYU is seven-point favorite. Bo, this is what happens when you're <clears throat> an independent and aren't in a conference. You have a great year, and you get stuck with such a bad bowl game in the Independence Bowl. BYU deserves better than this. Uh, I don't know how this is going to be close. Yeah, you know, I originally saw, you know, we were projecting bowl games uh, a couple weeks ago before the games were out. I saw this might have been BYU versus LSU, so – um, BYU is a frequent uh, flyer over at the Independence Bowl. I don't see how this game is going to be very close. That's not a knock on UAB. You know, UAB has only been a program again for a few years now. You know, they had uh, taken football away and it was out for a couple of years, brought it back. Yeah, Bill great Clark's story. done a great job. Yeah, they've done a really good job there. So, I mean, hats off to them. BYU is a good team. And this is – they're too good a team for this bowl. And I think they're going to go out there and play a good game, win, win big. And I like a minus seven here. The New Orleans Bowl, number 23, Louisiana, taking on Marshall. Louisiana, five-point favorite. Billy Napier not coaching in this game. He's off to Florida to coach the Gators. And uh, so they'll be without their head coaches. They're favored by five. What do you think your bow? Uh, for, for a lot of these guys here, we mentioned going into this year, Louisiana was a, a sneaky good team in the fact they brought back 21 starters. They had a really good year. Lost to Texas, um, but they were competitive all season long. What do you think here without Napier coaching? Yeah, Louisiana here. We used to call them Louisiana Lafayette back in the day. But yeah, Louisiana, um, if no Billy Napier, it's a big difference to me. If Coach Napier's there, I take Louisiana. I would have no problem laying five, maybe even seven. But I'll take Marshall here plus the points. I just I think new coach situation. A lot of seniors playing their last game for Louisiana. I think it's Going to be tough, especially since they're going to have everybody there and they're so close to New Orleans. I think that's going to play a little bit of it in there as well, in an opposite. I think it's going to be too much of a distraction. Give me Marshall. I'll go with uh, Louisiana here to uh, take care of business uh, in this what feels like a de facto home game. They're a really talented team, want to go out with a bang. I'll go with the Louisiana cover five. The Frisco Bowl, UTSA taking on San Diego State. UTSA favored by two and a half. Don't be fooled by the rankings, folks. Remember, UTSA at one point was all the way in the top 20. In our poll, we had them as high as 12 at one point. Um, But they ended up folding and losing the Conference USA Championship game at the end of the year. San Diego State rallied to win the Mountain West Conference. They were a top 25 team for most of the second half of the year. UTSA favored by two and a half. Bo, sneaky good game here in Frisco. The exact verbiage I was going to use is sneaky good game. This is a point for television. This will be a good game. This will be a really good game. Uh, I'm going to take UTSA minus two and a half here. Uh, this should be a really good game, though. I'm going to definitely be sitting in front of TV watching this one. Um, I like San Diego State, too. I like both these two teams. Um, but I'm going to go with UTSA late at two and a half in what I think will be a one-score game. I'll go with UTSA as well uh, at two and a half. I think they're a better team. I like their offense. They can put up points. Um, watch out. I'll go with a UTSA to cover two and a half. The Cure Bowl. This game wasn't even in existence about three years ago. 
Uh, Northern Illinois taking on Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, uh, Coastal Carolina's had a hell of a run the last couple of seasons, and they're looking to cap off another historic year there for the uh, school out of Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Hey, where is this game even played? I don't know that. The Cure Bowl is played in Boca Raton. Boca in Boca. Oh, wow. Uh, I like Coastal. I like what they're doing. Um, ten and a half is a lot of points. Um, but NIU hasn't been good the last couple of years. And then I don't know. I haven't seen them this season. Um, I mean, Coastal obviously had a great year last year. They were just really impressive. And um, and this year they've been great. They've been good. They've been at, not as good, but they've been good. Um, I'll take Coastal here. This is a lack of knowledge and realize that's a lot of points. A lot of this is more of an anti-NIU than anything else on this pick, but uh, I'll take Coastal. I'll take Coastal for the same reasons you did. So we agree on a four out of five college games there. God damn, man. How am I going to catch up to you if you keep doing this to me? Hey, I'll, I'll pick the NFL games first. Let's see how this goes. Well, I'm gonna we're gonna disagree on the NFL games. You're uh, you're about three games behind me. I'm leading. So uh, you said I was two earlier. You said two earlier. We text. Did I? I I think I said three. You, yeah, two or three, I'll whatever be, it I'll is. Be you're be behind me. I, I've been kicking your ass. Yeah, uh, I went I went eight and two last week. So humble yourself. Uh, Chiefs and Chargers. <laughs> Chiefs favored by three. Thursday night football. This is going to be a fun one, Bo. A lot on the line here. If the Chiefs win this one, I think they have the AFC West locked up, and they already might have it locked up as is. They're playing really good football. The offense has found a groove as of late. The defense has been spectacular the last few weeks. I got to ride with a hot hand. I don't know what I'm getting out of the Chargers. The Chiefs have been consistent the last five, six weeks. Give me the Chiefs to cover on the road at three. Well, I'm taking the Chiefs as well, and and – I think this is the most important game of the season up to this point. Um, this game, the Chiefs win, they effectively win the, NF, the, AFC, the AFC West. Um, if the Chargers win, they now hold the tiebreaker and are tied. So uh, with three games to go, the Chargers cannot come back from two down to the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs looked – I was very impressed their performances past week. On my podcast on Monday, we talked about it, how I think things are finally setting up for the Chiefs. A lot of it was the way they're running the football. I mean, they're distributing the ball amongst multiple multiple players, not afraid to run the ball. They ran it 30 times this past week. And then I saw the glimpses of Mahomes that we hadn't seen. And the Chiefs don't need Mahomes to wild out on every play. It's just every so often give us the glimpse. Give us the third down play where you get out of the pocket enough to bring the linebacker towards you so you can throw behind. You know, we saw a couple of those for first downs. Those are the kind of plays the Chiefs need. They managed Mahomes really well. He was 20 of 24 this past week. I, I, I'm convinced the Chiefs are a good team. I'm convinced they're, they're a top two team in the AFC. I think they'll beat the Chargers here, and I think they will go into the – they'll be in the driver's seat for the AFC. Okay. So we're both uh, riding with the Chiefs there. How about the uh, Packers and the Ravens? Bo, the Ravens have not played well as of late. And Lamar Jackson got hurt in that last game. They find themselves as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. The Packers put up 45 points in the Bears last week but gave up 30. Two questions for you before we pick this game. Where's your level with, of concern with the Ravens right now? And are you worried about the Packers giving up 30 to that – you know, awful Bears team? 
Well, second question first. Uh, yes, I'm worried about the Packers defense. Um, that's just a lot of points. Now, part of that is you get ahead of somebody. They're going to start throwing the ball a little bit. They're going to do some things. I'm a little concerned about it just because I don't – if you're a Packers fan, you don't want to see them getting into a shootout. Um, you know, but I do think part of that this past week especially was situation of the game. More important question is the Ravens. And the Ravens are totally dependent on the health of Lamar Jackson now. And, you know, we, I know he may play. He may not. We don't know. Uh, what have you was the last we've heard? Is he, he may play is what I've last heard. Yeah. So if he plays, it's the only shot the Ravens have. If he doesn't play, well, now the division's back in play, which is amazing compared to how bad that division is. But um, the Ravens are basically a one-man team right now at this point. Um, I'm taking the Packers. I, I mean, Lamar has, when he's played, and I know he's had a couple of games where his numbers have been, you look at the number and go, wow, it's a lot of interceptions. But he's played in a higher level than most everybody in the league at quarterback. I mean, he's in that top two or three to me. Um but their team is totally reliant on it because of the injuries. They've just been killed by the injury bug. As of the Packers. Now, I'll say this, to counter your point as far as injuries go, this Ravens team was already hit with the injury bug in training camp. And yeah. there was reports out that they were going too hard in practice, that John Harbaugh was demanding too much out of his guys, and it hasn't slowed down. I know it's from an outsider's perspective, but how much of that is on John Harbaugh and what he's done during the week with these guys? You know, I don't know. And, and, and you want to say that it's on him. The issue as I see it is if you're looking at it in that frame of reference is that now you've added a 17th game to the season and the schedule. And so it's another exp exponent to put into the, you're going to have more injuries. So why be so physical in the preseason? Part of it is that's who the Ravens have been since he's been there. I mean, that's who they've been. And defensively, they've been a, you know, a tough team. I get it. It's hard, I guess. It's hard to equate it and say, well, this is what causes it. We're just going to see more injuries. We are seeing more injuries across the board. And I don't know if that's the cause in the preseason. I think just as much the cause as a 17-game schedule. Okay. Uh, moving on now. Patriots and Colts. Colts favored by uh, two and a half in this game. Bo, that doesn't make any sense to me how the Colts are favored here. This is easy money. Like, the Patriots are coming off a bye week. They're on a six-game winning streak. They're the hottest team in the NFL here. How can anyone pick the Colts? What does Vegas see in this one? I don't know. This is clearly wrong team favorite. Um, hey, look, to me, the Patriots are the favorites now. Uh, what? I mean, we've been saying it for a year. Someone plays chess while everybody else is playing checkers. I say it every week now. He's just a better coach than everybody. And he's going to figure out every week he does the one thing. Belichick wants to do one thing defensively. He wants to find out what you do best and take it away. Now, I guess the argument is that the Colts are going to come out and run, 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 run. And Jonathan Taylor's had a hell of a year. And he has. But do you think that the Patriots are going to figure out a way to either add an extra guy in the box or do some different things to be physical with him and to, to limit Jonathan Taylor? 
Well, if you're yeah, if, if you're New England and Bill Belichick, why would you not let Carson Wentz try to beat you? That's exactly what he's going to try to do. He's going to say, we're going to stop Taylor or at least limit him. And Carson Wentz, you're going to have to beat us. And I like my odds if I'm New England there. I do too. And I think that what people are thinking is they're thinking, well, the Vegas people are thinking, well, if it's a low score, if it's a, you can assume that Wentz is going to score more than Mac Jones. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. That's more of looking at what the Patriots did two weeks ago and saying, well, they're going to run the ball 45 times and throw three. That was a special situation. But it shows the genius of Belichick. I expect the Patriots to win this game. I think they're going to win it big. I think Taylor's going to have the worst season of the worst game of the season, mm-hmm. most likely. And if you're one of those fantasy football guys who's thinking, ooh, I got to get in the playoffs and you got Jonathan Taylor, you might be in trouble. Um, on this front, as far as in New England goes, uh, you're coming off a of bye week. The week before that, Mac Jones only threw three passes. Uh, are we reading too much of the idea that, hey, Mac Jones has been on essentially like two bye weeks here. His arm's fresh. Is that reading too much into it? Yeah, because I think that he had to do a lot of a lot of what they had him do in that game may not be physically throwing the football. <clears throat> Pardon me. But it was a lot of reading the defense and, and aligning the play call. What I mean is I'm betting that the, the movements that they did make and the, the play calling the Patriots did do in that Monday night game was calling two run plays and having Jones get him to the right one mm-hmm. based on what he saw from the defensive front. So that's, you know, where normally you would have, so you don't know, normally you'd have a, a run play and a pass play for certain situations and you'd count the box or see what you've got based on formation. So I get where you're saying arm wise, it could be a, basically a bye week, but I think really the mind is more important than the arm. And so I don't think it was a bye week. The bye week couldn't have come at a better time for the Patriots to get the last one, you know? So I, I think it's a great thing for the Patriots. They had to buy. They're going to be really well prepared for this game. And I don't see, I don't see how this game's close the other way. Like it wouldn't surprise me to Patriots win this game by 14 mm-hmm. or 10. I mean, it just wouldn't surprise me at all. So, I mean, if I was going to bet heavy, bet heavy here, money line, maybe money line. Bengals and uh, Broncos uh, Broncos favored by one and a half here. Bo, um, both these teams, when we talk about who wants it more of some sorts, they, they just keep laying eggs when it seems like there's an opportunity right ahead of them. Yeah. They just just falter. What is the deal with both these teams here? Okay, the Broncos are playing better than the Bengals. I, I'm, you know, last week the Broncos really – it seemed like they wanted – they don't have a lot of skilled players. Um, You know, mine is – right? you want to say it for me or you want me to say it? The Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. The yeah. Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. And I got to tell you, I watched the game this past week. They should fire every coach in that staff. They don't throw the ball enough. They're predictable offensive, offensively until they get to the fourth quarter. And they just get, they get behind two or three touchdowns and go, okay, Burrow, save us now. And he damn near did this past week. He got them all the way to overtime and scored. And then they put roller skates on the defensive players. I don't think either one of these coaches, Bo, or head coach caliber. I'm not a big fan no. of Vic Fangio either. I, I agree. I just think they're, they're both good guys at what they do. I just 
They're, you know, both coordinators. They're both, you know, assistant coaches. These aren't guys who are going to lead a franchise. They're guys who probably won't have their jobs next year. The Bengals will definitely not keep Zach Taylor if, if, if they don't make the playoffs. They were too good early in the season to not make the playoffs. And now they're not going to. And if they don't, then he should be fired. Yeah. So um, here I'm picking the Broncos. It, it, it hurts me to say that because it's not that I don't think the I won the Bengals are going to haven't been good on the road. Um, two, I mean, I like Burrow, but who's to say that, that I the Broncos seem to want it more than the Bengals? I think that they want it more is less of an issue for the um, for the Broncos than it is for the Bengals. I think there's better players on the Bengals team. And I think the Broncos had a quarterback. They'd be really, really good. Yeah. I mean, they got a great young receiving core. And so I, I'm for that. I'm going to pick the Broncos. Okay. Um, Titans and Steelers Titans favored by one and a half on the road against Pittsburgh here. Bo, uh, what do we think about this matchup? I like the Titans. Titans, even though, even since Derrick Henry got hurt, they've still played solid. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do against Jacksonville. 20 to nothing. Just absolutely dominated the game. That's maybe it's about Urban Meyer. Maybe it's not about the Titans, but they went in there and did exactly what you're supposed to do to a bad team. You're supposed to beat them and just get it done. Um, I don't think the Steelers are a very good team. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's out there playing like an old man, and uh, I just haven't been impressed with anything all season. The Titans are a top three team in the AFC still. They can still run the football. They're doing it by committee. I mean, granted, it's not Derrick Henry with flashy run plays. And they might get Derrick Henry back. And they, and they might. They might get him back just in time. Um, they're a tough team. They're a well-coached team. They're a tough team. And you're not going to just jump on them and think you're going to out-physical them or um, or just jump on them and score a bunch of points quickly. They're going to they're gonna trash the game down to we're going to run the ball. We're going to get you a play action. We can get some chunk plays. And then defensively, they're tough. They tackle. Tackling is very underrated because a lot of teams in the NFL can't do it. It's what the Chiefs are doing especially well right now defensively. The Titans have been that well all season. So yeah. it's why I like the Titans still. Yeah, I'll go, like with the, I'll go with Tennessee here as well. The Steelers just aren't very good. Um, the Titans, I think, you know, this is a team that when they're playing to their capabilities can be as good as anybody in football. Um, <laughs> but they fell off the wagon. They went through a little slump, but I don't think that – takes away from them. I think they're still a good football team. I'll go with Tennessee. So there's our picks for this week. You're going Utah State, BYU, Marshall, UTSA, Coastal, Chiefs, Packers, Patriots, Broncos, and Titans. I'm going with Utah State, BYU, Louisiana Lafayette, UTSA, Coastal, Chiefs, Packers, Patriots, Bengals, and uh, Titans as uh, my picks there. So We'll uh, go ahead and uh, move on. Bo, uh, when you look at the top teams in the NFL right now, I, I feel like that we're starting to narrow down the pack a bit. And the AFC, the Patriots, and the Chiefs are on their own pedestal. In the NFC, um, the Cardinals, Bucks, 
Packers and Rams are on one pedestal, then there's everybody else. Um, I think the Cowboys are a step below that group. Uh, I don't, I want to put them in that upper echelon. Um, if I made you pick one team out of the AFC and one team out of the NFC right now, who you're going with as, as your ride or die to get to LA for that Super Bowl? I think the Patriots and the AFC. It's really close. Them and the Chiefs are really close. They are the two. And then I have Tennessee right behind them. And then I got a clump after that. I think the Ravens could be up there with the Titans if Lamar is healthy. But if I had to ride or die, I would say the Patriots. Um, in the NFC, my ride or die, man, I'm going to take the Bucks begrudgingly. They're just experienced and they run the football. And they run the football well. You give me a team that runs the football, you're short in the game. And that yeah. means a lot. I mean, that means a lot. They're well coached. They got both teams. Well, I mean, you have a veteran quarterback with the Bucs. I mean, obviously the Patriots have a rookie, but I mean, I just, I like the, what the Bucs are doing is it's not Brady beating everybody. It's that Although he looks offense. like the MVP right now. And Leonard Fournette has played incredible. I mean, Leonard Fournette's playing Derrick Henry good, but they're only getting him, you know, 15 carries. Again, they're, they're limiting the carries. He's breaking tackles. He had a 50 yard this past week. I mean, he just broke two tackles and was gone. I mean, it, he like Leonard Fournette at LSU. Um, I, I think that's why I would take the Bucks. I think the Packers can snip them. I do think that can happen. And I just don't know where I'm at with the Cardinals and the Rams. Um, preseason, I was all about the Rams. I thought the Rams really had a great team. I still think they're really good. They did beat the Cardinals this past week. But I think the Rams are going to end up being a wild card team. And it's hard when you don't have, you know, like the, the Bucks may get the one seat. If they do, they get a bye. If not, at least they're at home for all the games. The Rams are going to have to play on the road for all the games. There's something to that. I also think that I like the Bucks because if they do get behind, you have a confident guy. You've got a guy in Tom Brady who can bring you back. I just, those are the two. If I had to ride and die, if I had to say right now, this is the team I'm picking. Picking the Bucs, I'm picking the Patriots. Um, I agree with how your levels are. In the NFC, you said you like the Bucks, Packers, Cardinals, and Rams. Yeah, and the Cowboys a step below that. Yeah. You know what my thinking on the Cowboys? Simply, it's the same thinking. I've had it for a month now. Cowboys just run the football. They win the game. Every week, they just run the football more than they pass the ball. They're going to be just fine. Um, they got the, the defensive player of the year, Michael Parsons. He's been incredible this year. T.J. Watt would uh, like a word. I, I'll take Micah Parsons every single day of the week. Not even close. Now, I love Micah Parsons. I do, I, but I think T.J. Watt had a better year. I, I think Micah's had a better year. We just see the big, flashy number of the sack number, and that's there's no way to equate that for what Micah Parsons does. So, um, there's you, not. You've never, you've never been one to give T.J. credit. He's a I don't give any of the Watts credit. I don't. I, I. I think he's overrated. I do, but he's a good player. He's a great player, but he's not. He, Micah Parsons, has been the dominant. He's been the dominant defensive player in the entire league this year. Yeah, uh, he's been, and I like Micah Parsons. He was one I said that before the draft. He was can't miss. Um, yeah. I like what he's done, and he's been great. He's revolutionized that Cowboys defense. Um, yeah, great. He, he, he does more than one thing. I really yeah. like that. And that's not and saying he does more than one thing isn't a knock on Watt being a pass rusher. 
because he's a great pass rusher. There's other pass rushers as good as him. Miles Garrett's every bit the pass rusher. TJ Watt is. I don't think so. Oh, I totally disagree. I mean, I'm just giving you an example. I mean, I mean, I'm just that's you know your fall off between those two is not very much of a fall off either way. You know, but that's the elite level players too. Right. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to degrade the degrade Watt and say, oh, he's awful. He's not awful by any means. He's an elite level player. Just, if you chose one, I'm choosing Micah. But back to your question earlier again, the, the two teams I'm riding with right now, begrudgingly, it's the Bucks. I like the Patriots a little bit better than the Chiefs. Just a little bit. I like those teams for the reasons you mentioned, but I like a couple teams a little bit more. I like the Chiefs more than I do New England. I think they have a better offense um, and more opportunities to put up points. Uh, I would agree with the fact that they can put up more points. Absolutely. And we haven't seen Patrick play his best yet. He played better this week, but I still think his best football is in front of him. That defense has come a long way. The NFC, I like Green Bay a little bit more than I do Tampa right now. And you mentioned you like that Tampa run game. Green Bay's got the best backfield in football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I mean, that's an incredible one-two punch there. Rodgers is playing great. The receiving core is there. Um, I do have some concerns about their defense to an extent, but I, I think I like Green Bay a little bit more. But I, I'm not taking anything away from New England or Tampa, but I like yeah. Kansas City and Green yeah. Bay a little bit more. I, those are the other two teams that I would go, yeah, if you didn't have those two teams, that's going to be the two picks I'd make. I mean, those are the one and A, one and one A in both sides. And I think you can really flip a coin between the Chiefs and the Patriots. I think those two are closer than the Bucks and the Packers are. That's not a knock on the Packers. Packers have also been decimated by injuries mm-hmm. all season. And a lot of it's been their offensive line. And that's people don't really talk about. Um, that's what's got me a little bit concerned with the Packers. But I mean, I do agree with your thinking that the Chiefs in a shootout are tough out. Patriots don't want to get in a shootout with the Chiefs. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly on Michael Parsons as rookie of the year. I don't have him as defensive player of the year, but I think he's a contender. Um, my offensive player of the year, or offensive rookie of the year, Bo, um, a little off the wall. I think Creed Humphrey, the starting center for the Chiefs, ought to be offensive rookie of the year. He's been the best offensive rookie in the league. He's been incredible for that Chiefs O-line. I think Jamar Chase would like to have a word with you. Yeah, he's had a good year. He's dropped a lot of passes, too. He That one he dropped this week is unforgivable, too. Oh, man, it's a walk-in touchdown. It ends up being a goddamn interception. And they needed that. The Bengals needed points there so bad. And they got the play, and Chase drops the ball. Yeah, but uh, I think offense, right now I would take Chase. Okay. I, I was expecting you to be a little more upset with me saying an offensive line is No, I like offensive offensive. You know, I like linemen. Problem is problem is you're never gonna see a lineman get those kind of awards, especially an offensive lineman. It's just you know, you're doing a little bit of homerism there. That's fine. I get it, you know, but it, it's a Freed is time. good. Jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's hard to say a center is the uh, offensive rookie of the year. He didn't even give up a sack in college at OU, and now he hasn't given up a sack in the NFL. Oh, he's an OU guy too. So that's really much a homer. I mean, that'd be like that'd be like if Joe Burrow played for the Saints, and I said he was the MVP. You would just jump all over me, and it'd be like, well, okay, you got me. 
I was really expecting more of a reaction, but I, I understood you on purpose. Yeah. Okay. I still believe it though, wholeheartedly. Great yeah. Humphrey, offensive. No, I, I, I think. Uh, no, I think there's been a couple of good things that have happened this year. I. This has been a really weird year in that we haven't seen like the MVP. We and I were talking offline last week about the MVP, and you were saying it's Brady, it's Brady, it's Brady, and he is the clubhouse favorite now. But has he been great? Like, has he been like MVP great, really? Yeah, I think he actually has. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think anyone's had like that breakaway MVP season. I don't think he had the moment had. that walk off touchdown last week. Well, I mean, you can. Everybody's had a moment. And a lot of guys have had moments. I mean, I, I I just think that no one's had like the dominant MVP type of season. Like Mahomes had a couple of years ago. Um, you know, like Brady's had a couple times. We just haven't seen that, you know. And I think some of it might have been because of the Kyler Murray being a little banged up. It could have been Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. With him getting banged up, I mean, you needed to be the quarterback of the best team. Derrick Henry through 10 games looked like he was going to be the MVP and run for every damn yard in the history of football. I mean, it, I, I was on the Derrick Henry should be MVP trained until he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, I, I just awards are kind of weird like that. And this year, I don't think we've seen with four games to go, someone can still make a case for MVP. Mahomes, Absolutely. It's not over. Mahomes could. Mahomes could go 4 0 in his last four games. They end up at 13 and four after being three and four. He throws for, you know, 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns. And you go, wow, that's an MVP. Maybe so. I mean, you have a lot of work to do, but it's not out of the question. Yeah. I mean, but it could happen. It may have to happen in a couple of those games. It might. Um, I say two words, Urban Meyer, you say. <laughs> Listen to Monday's Coach Bono's podcast. Um, hey, I, I went off on this on Monday. Um, you know that I'm not a fan, never have been. And this guy should be fired immediately. Like he, he shouldn't be employed today as we record um after the game he's talking about leaks and unemployment and this guy's a joke he's an absolute joke he hasn't made a good decision yet i mean think about the things he's done first he goes against tebow a joke of a situation he hires i don't remember his name now the strength conditioning coach from iowa if you say it it'll come right back to me but i have to fire him because of what he did at iowa you know all the the racist uh, stuff he did at Iowa. Now we get into the season. He leaves after the Thursday night game and has the issue where he goes to his bar after Thursday night is the, the viral video, which to me is the least worst thing he's done. I, the worst part to me was he didn't go back with his team to, to Jacksonville. Um, now we have this stuff where he's tell, supposedly telling his coaches that they're not qualified or how do you put their losers? Yes. Supposedly he called his coaching staff losers. Well, who hired his his coaching staff? Right. He hired the coaching staff, which makes him the loser. Can I cuss on here? No, of course. Fuck you, Urban Meyer. You're the fucking loser. Go eat some Papa John's in a golf cart, you son of a bitch. I just, I, (laughs) you've seen that picture. (laughs) I, he should be fired already. The only problem I have is that if Shad Khan fires him, 
is going to hire a wrestler from AEW to be the next head coach. Here's the one indictment I have not heard yet on Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer had Trevor Lawrence dropping in his lap. Have we heard anything about how Trevor Lawrence has played this year? Have you seen his stats? They're not good. They're not good at all. He has two 300-yard passing games. They won one, they lost one. He has nine touchdowns through 13 games and 10 interceptions. He's also gotten sacked like 25 times. He's near the top of getting sacked. I know that that no one thought Urban Meyer was going to come in. They'd win 10 games. I don't think anyone realized that they would win five games. But they don't have a chance to do anything. If you lose 20 to nothing to Tennessee this past week in a game where it doesn't look like anyone's even put in an effort, that starts at the top. That's not players not grasping a game plan. This is a guy that's a coach in the NFL who's trying to bully his team and yell at his team of grown-ass men and treat them like they're 18 and 19 and 20-year-old college kids. That shit might work at Ohio State or at Florida, but it doesn't work in the NFL, and it doesn't work because you got to deal with grown-ass men. And Marvin Jones about showed him what a grown-ass man could do. I wish Marvin Jones would have punched him. It, 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 Urban Meyer has to go. And frankly, they could fire him for cause at this point. They got uh, enough evidence. Here's a question for you. Let's say for all intents and purposes, if somehow Urban Meyer is back next year, if that happens, how much does that stunt the growth of Trevor Lawrence, a guy that, was a generational talent that we knew was going to be the number one pick for the last, you know, couple of years, you know, all the things were there for Trevor Lawrence to be, you know, one of the all-time greats, according to his, you know, scouting report going yeah. in. How does that change things for him and his potential if, if he's stuck with Urban Meyer another year? Tremendously stunts his growth. It tremendously stunts his growth. We've never seen Urban Meyer develop a quarterback. He's never, that's the thing. All go back to Ohio State, all of his coach, all of his quarterbacks at Ohio State. Which one did he develop to be a good pro quarterback? None. Go back to Florida. How many of them are great pro quarterbacks? None. Go back to Utah. How many were great quarterbacks? Yeah, an, an average above average with Alex Smith. That was it. Yeah. I, I, that guy can't develop quarterbacks. He should have never been given that opportunity without having some kind of quarterback guru as his OC. This is a guy who wants to micromanage his coaches at the NFL level. This guy wants to be a college. This guy is a college coach. Go be a coach. Go. You know, he wanted the Notre Dame job so bad. You know, he was at home just praying they'd call him. Just get anything to get him out of Jacksonville now. He'll, he'll do anything to get a check that's going to be similar to what he's getting in Jacksonville and get out of there because it's not a good fit for him either. And I think he's going to harm, maybe irreparably, Trevor Lawrence from here. So I, second, if, I'm, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm trying to find a way out of town if Urban Meyer's coming back. Yeah, make them choose you or Urban Meyer. Yeah, I, I think that he absolutely should do that. Now, from what I hear, everything I've ever heard about Trevor Lawrence, he's a kind and nice and polite young man. 
He's not, that's not a power play I see that kid making, but he absolutely has the right to go do it. Especially when Marvin Jones, who's the leading receiver on the team, is mad at the coach saying, hey, and not just because of his own play, but where they've attacked everybody in the wide receiver room. Right. You know, to say, hey, look, I mean, what are you doing as a coach? You're not preparing us for a game. You know, you're, you're busy. You're busy arguing about, you know, other things. I you know I, ooh, you got me on a rant here because this is good. This is how I went on Monday about it. I just did not. I think he is the worst NFL coach I've seen in a long time. And that's saying something. There's some bad, been some bad ones. Hugh Jackson. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not saying he's the worst of all time. I just think it's a really poor fit for him to be coaching grown-ass men in the NFL. Yeah. Last thing in the NFL. Uh, a lot of COVID issues stacking up as of late. Uh, Cleveland, the L.A. Rams and such. Um, not great timing-wise as we're getting close to the playoffs either. No, and you know, I, I'm disappointed. A lot of what we're seeing is like guys were calling it contact trace. You know, someone they know got it, someone close to them, or someone in one of the rooms got it. Hey, look, man, there's a month left in the regular season. You've come 13 games. You've come three months into the season. Why can't you, for one more month in the playoffs, be ready? Be you're a professional. This is what it's all about. And these guys have got to be these guys who are having some of these issues. They, they got to be more careful about who they're around, even if they're vaccinated. I mean, be more careful about what you're doing, especially if the wrong player misses a game with four weeks to go. It could affect the team where they lose a game. And that game could cost them a playoff spot, a playoff seed, home field advantage. I mean, you could really hurt your team. And I don't see why maybe the coaches are saying this, you know, and maybe it just maybe it's falling on deaf ears. But I think some someone needs to tell these players, hey guys, we're a month in. This is it. This is the last four weeks. We need you to be here and we need you to not worry about what's going on out there. And uh, and watch what you're doing and who you're associating yourself with. And let's make this run because the wrong player. And that could be, you know, Odell Beckham. It could be, you know, it could be your starting off, your starting offensive center. It could be just enough that it sways that one game. In that one game in a league where you play 17 and everybody's so finite close, it could cost you the difference between being a champion and not a champion. Last thing before we go, I want to ask you on the uh, college football front. Uh, transfer portal, a lot of moves going on. Um, heard Lane Kiffin say this week, you basically have free agency in college football where every player is an unrestricted free agent every year and that you have options. We see Spencer Rattler, he and his starting tight end at Oklahoma, Austin Stogner, join their old assistant coach, uh, Shane Beamer, and South Carolina, Bo Nix announces he's entering the portal. Slovis from USC enters the portal. Um, I look at this a couple different ways, Bo. I'm happy for the players, but also if you're a team that is looking to rebuild, you have no excuse not to be able to rebuild pretty fast anymore. You can get that going through the portal. We saw what, what Mel Tucker did just last year. Yeah, this is a, this is a coaching delight and a nightmare at the same time. Because it means recruiting never ends. Even when you don't get a player out of high school, you might get him a year later or two years later. 
Um, so you got to keep in touch. You got to keep doing those things. But also, yeah, frankly, there's no excuse to be bad. You can make the quantum leap pretty, not easily, but it can be done now. You can improve a poorly constructed, you know, if you were left, you're the new coach somewhere and you, the cupboards are bare with the portal in the right situation, you might be able to get some guys. And we've seen it work. We've seen these things work already. We've seen we're graduate. We've seen where, you know, it was grad, it was grad guys moving, you know, guys like Russell Wilson years ago, Joe Burrow, um, uh, Jalen Hurts, those kind of things. We're going to see more and more of this. And it's going to be guys who say, well, I didn't make the right decision as an 18-year-old kid to go to this place. Now at 19 or 20, let me see what I can do over here. Well, yeah. like take example, Texas. Okay. They basically at the end of the day fired Tom Herman because he'd lost the commitment of Quinn Ewers to Ohio state, who was the second highest uh, rated high school player ever uh, since they've been doing high school recruiting rankings. And uh, you know, he ends up as a, you know, going to Ohio state's, and realized he wasn't going to be beating out C.J. Stroud this next year. And Steve Sarkeesian gets on the phone and says, you want to come back, come back to your home state where you originally committed. I'm here, not Tom Herman now. All of a sudden, if you're Texas, and I know we laugh about the Texas being back thing for a long time. You know, that's yeah. a whole other story. But if you're Texas, don't you have a whole new life now in the sense of, yeah, your season sucked, but you just pulled in one of the greatest recruits ever to be your yeah. next quarterback, and he's from the state. Yeah, your, your point is, is, is well taken. It's that now it's a blessing and a curse for a coach because now, yeah, you can improve your team quickly. And at the same time, you got to fight the, fight the dogs off when you have someone who doesn't quite make it. You know, when you got someone who's maybe the backup and you go, okay, well, the backup quarterback isn't happy, he's going to go, he's going to leave, you know, that kind of thing. It's a little harder to stack your team. Um, but yeah, there's no excuse now if you're going to Texas, if you're at Oklahoma, if you're at Alabama, uh, Auburn now, you know, Auburn now, just Bo Nix is leaving. That means TJ Finley's better be better be really damn good. Mm-hmm. And if not, they're in trouble. And that's gonna be trouble for the coach. So there's a blessing to it on that side, but also it means if you can't get those guys in the portal to come over, well, it means that. Your AD and your 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 boosters are going to know even quicker that you're not as good as advertised. Right. It, no. The expectations have been raised. Mm-hmm. They certainly have. Bo, we got to run. Uh, tell us what's coming on the Point uh, Five Pod this week. Hey, we're going to talk. Uh, Tom Bridges is coming on, and Tom's going to come on and talk uh, college football. We're going to talk the uh, all the bowl games. Uh, I got to get your picks for the bowl pick'em. We're going to have a bowl pick'em. You, Tom, me. Um, Ellen, Token Girl will be doing the picks as well. Uh, Token Girl and I are going to talk, um, talk NFL. We're going to talk a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk a holidays. We're going to talk the holidays as well. And um, we're going to do something probably next week. We're going to have, we're going to ask a question and we're going to talk about it at length is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And uh, I know your feelings on that as well. So I love that. I might have you come on and discuss it. Maybe so. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, check out Coach Bono's podcast available every Monday and Friday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Also, oh, one last thing we're going to do the last 0.5 of the year is going to be an Ask Coach Bo anything. Okay. So you can send in questions too. 
Okay, I will. So yeah, at Coach Bono Show at Gmail. So uh, Coach Bono, Coach Bono Show at gmail.com at Coach Bono's on Twitter and Instagram. We'll collect them and we're going to do an Ask Coach Bo anything. And um, the gloves will be off and I will answer every question. Unscripted, unfiltered, Coach yeah. Bo. Should yeah. be a lot 15. of fun. 5. Uh, also check out O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com as well. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. You have a good week and happy holidays. A couple more things before we get out of here. We will get to our Tom Foley story of the week in just a moment. Before we do, we want to talk some NBA. We haven't gotten much of a chance to talk uh, a whole lot of NBA the uh, last few weeks. And so with the uh, Big 12 football season uh, ending and, you know, still a couple of weeks till the uh, Big 12 bowl games, this allows us a chance to talk some uh, NBA this week. And uh, first off, Steph Curry breaking the – all-time three-point record and doing it in about 500 less games than Ray Allen did. Uh, phenomenal. And you have these blowhards like Bob Ryan that say that Steph Curry's ruined the game of basketball and such. I mean, whether you like Steph or not, you don't have to be a fan of his, but you have to admire what he was able to do to change the game the way he did and to, you know, just – dominate all these three-pointers to be such a threat shooting the basketball we have not seen anyone ever play the position like he does and you know like I said you don't even have to be a fan of his but you have to respect what he's done in this accomplishment and the moment that he put together of you know him uh you know celebrating with Ray Allen there in the house his dad Del Curry in the house too Madison Square Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. Uh, that was awesome to see. I, I'm, I'm happy for Steph. We knew this record was going to get broken the way that the game is going, that a Steph Curry was going to pop up eventually here. I mean, uh, it was only a matter of time. And to think that he's been through a lot of injuries the last couple of years too and still bounced back, he's playing as good as ever right now, Tom. Yeah, and they're about to get Clay Thompson back, so – you know, watch out. I don't know, Jones, I was thinking about this, a win, because Steph Curry still has plenty of years left to play. And the way he plays, you know, he's not getting super, super banged up. It's He's not running in the paint. I mean, see, yeah, he does do that, but he's not, you know, he's, he floats on the outside, and there's been players that, you know, usually go for the three-point ball later on in their career and are as you know, essentially become a three-point specialist later on in their career. Um, you know, how long does Steph have left to play? I think it's a long time, you know. I think it's quite some time, so that record's only going to get higher. I don't know, you know, I, I don't ever think I remember who's going to break Ray Allen's record, you know, as the game got more and more geared towards the three ball. I mean, it was it was never geared towards the three ball like it is now. And we have Steph Curry to thank for that. Um, some people hate it. Some people love it. I, myself, I'm a fan of the three ball. Um, so, you know, how high can this record go? I think by the time he reaches the games that Ray Allen played to set that record, it's going to be at least half as high as it is now. I think so. And I think the record's going to get broken by someone else someday, too. Um uh, 
just the way that things go and such that, you know, we were headed towards this direction. And, uh, you know, I know that people like Bob Ryan don't like the way that he's changed the game of basketball, but you think about it, this next generation, um, you know, they all want to be like Steph Curry. That's the guy who they aspire to be and, and grow up as. And there's going to be a whole lot more Steph Curry's in the future, Tom. I think that's the way that we're going to see this game go for a long time. Yeah, it is. And I, I think as, you know, you see more and more players get into the league, it, it becomes a three-point shooting fest. I mean, you know, and it's not even Steph Curry's the only one to, you know, I don't like to use the word blame, but I'll use it here. You know, you can have Steph Curry to blame for being the front runner of this, but then you have players like Damian Lillard, who is all about jacking it up from long range, you know, Dame time, you know, uh, it's, it's long range three pointers and game winning buzzer beaters from long range from the logo, um, as the kids say now, um, uh, <laughs> you know, is, is becoming just as flashy as the crazy dunk. I mean, I feel like winning the three point, shooting challenge is, is every bit as flashy as the dunk contest now where it used to not be where no one really cared about the three-point shooting contest now you're getting you know primetime players in the three-point shooting contest where it was mainly primetime players in the dunk contest you your LeBron James or Michael Jordans your you know Dwight Howard's back in the day uh, in the dunk contest now it's it's the primetime players are the ones in the three-point challenge where Back in, I can remember in my younger days, the, the players in the three-point challenge were players like Brent Berry, Kyle Korver, you know, only essentially three-point specialists. Now we're getting all-stars. So I, I, I agree with you. I think one day it will be broken by the time Steph retires. Uh, how long that'll be, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, that's just the way the league's going. Yeah. It is. Uh, meanwhile, in the Eastern Conference, the Annettes are at 20 and 8. They're in first place in the East, and they're doing so without Kyrie Irving. And there's rumblings about a potential return for Kyrie this season that uh, he might be willing to get vaccinated or he could play just road games. Uh, a lot of talk uh, about Kyrie. And then there's also speculation that the new New York mayor might end the uh, vaccine mandate for uh, public events when he gets uh, inaugurated in January, that that's a possibility. So with all that being said, Tom, the Nets are in first place. I think that they need Kyrie if they're going to win the championship. But right now, at this point in time, they're fine without him. I would say if, if Kyrie's not available to be all in, don't worry about bringing him back. Um, if he only wants to play road games, if he's not willing to do that, then say we don't need you. We got a good thing going here. Now, if uh, if you know he's willing to get the vax or if the vaccine mandate changes or stuff like that, then of course you bring him back with open arms. But I, I don't see any benefit of him coming back on just a part-time basis. Yeah, at that point, you have to work him in the rotation and figure out where he's going to you know, use him and throw off the consistency of what the Nets are doing right now. I mean, hell, Patty Mills is, you know, I'm obviously a little biased when I bring up Patty Mills, but uh, and I think Patty Mills is playing great. Um, James Harden's playing just A-OK, and, you know, Kevin Durant is should be in talks for the MVP candidate if he's not already. So, you know, 
I think they're just fine. I think you just keep that train rolling and, and you know, if he comes back, the vaccine mandate goes away, then sure, more the merrier, bring him back. But if it's a case-by-case -case basis, I wouldn't even mess with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, how about uh, Austin Reeves uh, last night, the former Sooner uh, getting it done, uh, helping lead the uh, comeback charge for the Lakers in overtime against the uh, Mavs, who were without Luka. And uh, LeBron at 24 points, Anthony Davis at 20, Russell Westbrook at 23. Uh, Reeves kind of filling in that Alex Caruso role of some sorts. Lakers at 16 and 13. Tom, uh, if the Lakers, for as much as we've talked about them and such, if uh, if they're going to be a contender, I mean, they, they got to do something. I mean, they, they still look like the team that we saw in the uh, second half of last season. Uh, they, they've not, you know, they're they're sixth in the West right now. They're, they're, they don't look like an elite team at this point in time. No, they don't. And, you know, they'll take all the help they can get. So if Austin Reeves has to come save the day and play Alex Caruso for a game, then so be it. I mean, they'll take it maybe. Maybe he gets more playing time. Maybe they integrate him more into a Alex Caruso type role. Um, but yeah, the Lakers do not look good right now. And there's a lot of other talent out there in the league that, you know, some people say LeBron's not going to win another championship. At this point, I would lean towards I agree. Yeah, um, I think that there's a good chance that he doesn't win another championship uh, at this point in time. We'll see. Uh, last thing on the NBA, these, uh, these COVID issues that are stacking up, the uh, Bulls have uh, missed some games. Uh, the league is exploring options on uh, modifying their, their protocols with uh, what's going on here. Um, what a mess. And, and then you see you know, Toronto, uh, there's a policy that's about to be in effect up there that if you are not vaccinated, that – you can't play whether you're a home or road team. And they're about to reduce their capacity size back down to 50% for their attendance and such here. Tom, uh, COVID has not gone away in sports, and the NBA appears to be the most visibly hit of it right now, for especially a league that had a high vaccination rate, uh, as high as 95% uh, before the season began. You know, and I, I can understand, um, you know, where – that comes into play. I mean, these teams are going all across the U.S. on uh, almost a daily basis. Um, you know, whereas the NFL kind of getting hit by a little COVID bug right now. Uh, but they're, you know, only in another city for, you know, one part of the week each week. Um, you know, some of these players are going on a road trip where it's, you know, let's say the Spurs, for example, may, might go and play in Portland and then go play the Kings and then take a day off and then go play a back-to-back -back in LA against the Clippers and Lakers and then might go and play the Suns and then come back to San Antonio. Um, you know, some of these schedules are set up where it's just uh, you're going on a long road trip and you're in a different city every day. You're coming across, you know, however many different people. I'm sure these players still go out. Um, I know I will. I mean, I know I would, but um, you know, vaccinated or not, you know, um, you start getting in big crowds like that from city to city to city. And it's, it's no surprise that it's come to this. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right <laughs> about that. So there you have it. That's a look around the NBA this week. Uh, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fulry story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones. So 
we did this story somewhat. Um, I'm going to give you a, a quick one, just a quick update on this one into another one that has to deal with cream cheese. But Jones, I, I came across this story and we, I don't know if you remember it. And I think it was in Texas that this happened. That someone used a blow up doll in the front seat so they could cheat and go into the, to the carpool lane. Well, I'm trying to think, let's just click on this to see what MTA stands for. I'm sure it has to do with transportation. Um, article reads, New York MTA supervisor apparently uses blow-up doll to cheat HOV traffic laws. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what the MTA stands for. I'm sure it has to do something with um, transportation. But, Jones, I just wanted to, you know, for anybody that's been listening for a while, we, we did the story on Texas and the driver cheating the HOV lanes with the blow-up doll. It's still happening. Except it's uh, whatever MTA stands for, supervisor. Sounds like a big wig in New York City is uh, also using blow-up dolls that shoot HOV line. Jones, this becomes more apparent. Whatever you do, don't use a blow-up doll in your passenger seat to cheat and get in and use the uh, carpool lanes. Um, now into the real story, Jones. This is about holiday desserts. And Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't know if you knew, Jones. I did not. There is a national supply shortage of cream cheese. Really? I like cream cheese. I mean, yeah. I think I don't. You'd be hard pressed to find someone I don't think that 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 doesn't like cream cheese. And I'm one of those cream cheese uh, elitists where you know some people like to use the off-brand. No, it's either Philadelphia or nothing. See, it's, I can't tell the difference, be, to be honest. <clears throat> so, and and maybe I can't tell the difference in taste, but the consistency I feel like is different because I use cream cheese when I make a mac and cheese, and I can tell the difference between when I make a mac and cheese with off-brand and when I make it with Philadelphia. Philadelphia is way better. The consistency comes out better. But like I said, okay, I'll I'm take your word for it. About, I'm a elitist about cheese and mac and cheese, so there you have it. But Jones, this is the crazy part about it, and this is the first time I'm reading this. I didn't realize there was a supply shortage of cream cheese, but I guess there is. Article comes from KIMA, wherever that's at. Um, Kraft will pay you $20 to not make your Christmas cheesecake amid supply shortage. Article reads, is the cream cheese shortage ruining your Christmas dessert plans? Kraft Philadelphia Cream Cheese wants to help you with the replacement Acknowledging the supply chain disruption of the key cheesecake ingredient, the Kraft Heinz brand announced Wednesday that it will reimburse 18,000 consumers $20 for a holiday dessert through its Philadelphia Spread the Feeling offer. From a tweet from Philadelphia Cream Cheese, a shelf without cream cheese is a holiday without cheesecake. So if you can't make your favorite dessert this year, buy another one and we'll pay for it. Hashtag spread the feeling. You can sign up here with this little link on here for the chance to win the $20 digital reward starting at noon on Friday. That is tomorrow, almost 24 hours from right now. There will be a there will be 10,000 reservations Friday and, and 8,000 additional spots will be available starting at noon Saturday. Those who get one of the limited spots will have to submit a store or restaurant receipt dated between the 17th and Christmas Eve with a dessert or dessert ingredient identified to qualify. Jones, 
I have never made a cheesecake. Okay. But I kind of want to sign up. And I, you know, I, I, I feel like I bought cheesecake, or not cheesecake. I feel like I bought cream cheese the other day. And I didn't think there was like a shortage. I'm pretty sure there was like a main cooler in the middle aisle at Reese's that was chock full of the shit. So maybe that's from other places, but I haven't found a cream cheese shortage. I like cream cheese. I really do. Um, did, you, you, uh, did, did you say your mom makes a cream cheese? Or not a cream cheese, a cheesecake? Well, yeah, so, so my grandmother's recipe uh, for cheesecake uh, is like a graham cracker crust. And my mom makes her recipe for, uh, for cheesecake with the graham cracker crust. It's phenomenal. So there you go. Maybe not this year if there's a cheesecake shortage or a cream cheese shortage. Better tell your mom or your grandma right now to go out and get it. Yeah, probably so. And, you know, cream cheese, it's so versatile. More than people realize. You think about a bagel, you know, for cream cheese. But, I mean, you, you put it in maggot cheese or cheesecake. Uh, cheesecake. I mean, it's any it's Any number of dips. Any number of cheese ball dips. Yeah. Any number of... Yeah, just dips. I, I mean, the hell, I've seen people eat it with a damn tortilla chip. I think cream cheese is an elite cheese. I mean, there's so much you can do with it, and it's delicious. If we were to rank, like, cheeses and their importance, I'd put cream cheese pretty damn high. I'm trying to think of another one that I would put as high. I mean, I'd put pepper jack up there because it's my favorite, but... If you're thinking about, or, you know, maybe a queso type cheese, um, that would be, that would be it. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, you use cream cheese, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a top-notch product, and now we have a shortage of it. How? Maybe there's not a shortage of it. Maybe it's, like they said, supply chain disruption, and they, they have it, but they just can't get it to you. Right. Is what it's like. Yeah, so if you were planning to have that in your uh, your Christmas, uh, you know, food, you better get on that. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a it's a shame. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to research today here in Tulsa and buy the shit up, and then maybe I'll, you know, upcharge and and have all the cream cheese to myself and start stuff a but- black market on cream cheese. That's the plan. I'm I'm gonna leave work right now and go buy up all the cream cheese. You know, I, I won't say this That's on how air. Make my I, won't, this year. I won't go into the details on this, but Tom remembers I had a chance to go in on a, a black market project overseas that I passed on. Probably was the best I passed on. You know what? I, you know, maybe maybe you could mold one of those out of cream cheese. right you know i wonder how much money you would have made that's an interesting visual now that i think about it we need to have that guy on to see how much money he's making that's the real tom fuller yeah if he's not won't spoil it for the listeners until we can figure out when we can get him on do you still have his number uh probably somewhere i think i think that's what we should do Find out that how his would, uh, just thriving black market business is going. That would be an ultimate tomfoolery. Um, 
you know, one of the other black market businesses that's thriving is remember those old light bulbs that got banned? That I don't think I remember. There was a certain type of light bulb that, uh, like the old round ones that aren't allowed to be sold in stores anymore. And there's like a black market where people like stocked up on them and still holding uh, are, are selling them for way higher than what they uh, what they originally were. I mean, they're light bulbs for crying out loud. Do they catch fire easily or something? Is that what it is? Um, I think it has to do with like radiation. Oh, so okay. See, if it's something like that, I'm not. I, I don't want any part of it. If uh, they give off radiation, but. Um, I don't think what your friend was selling on the black market was giving out anything but good vibes. Good vibes, literally, yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's a good point. We 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 need to find our own black market niche of some sorts. Maybe cream cheese is it for us? Damn sure not mayo. Oh, it's uh, it's miracle whip. That's it's terrible. It's uh, that's. You know, and, and I feel like even some mayonnaise has cream cheese in it. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe that's sour cream. I feel like maybe it's a sour cream thing that has it. Okay, real quick. We'll end on this. This is really good for along the time full reliance since you bring this up. Um, Mary F. Kill ketchup mustard mayonnaise. Oh, I'm killing mayonnaise. Um... I'm probably going to have to F ketchup just because it's a one-time thing. And if I marry mustard, then I get it for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. And mustard condiment. What about, what's to do? I'm going to have to marry mayonnaise. Oh, um, You know, everything that you like with ketchup is better with mayonnaise instead. No. Uh, I mean, even fries, like aioli sauce is, is uh, comes from mayonnaise. Fry sauce comes from mayonnaise. Um, you know, it, it's just a fact. So I'm going to marry mayonnaise. I'm going to F mustard. And I'm going to have to kill ketchup. Ketchup's nasty. I'm not a huge fan of ketchup, but I dislike ketchup. Or I dislike mayonnaise more than I like ketchup. <laughs> I dislike ketchup. Oh, that's good. On that note, we got to go. Big thanks to uh, Bridget Condon for joining us. Check out her great work on the NFL Network and uh, Coach Bo as well for stopping by. Tom, uh, we somehow got through two weeks without you having to uh, to cry a bit about Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I hope you feel better about yourself now. You know what? I'm not going to the bowl game. I, I've had two weeks to sit on it and think. Uh, OSU's just saved me a shit ton of money. Um, I can tell you that because That's your spin zone on it. I, because I would have went to the playoff whether it had been Miami or Dallas, and if they would have went to the Sugar Bowl instead, if they would have won and got left out of the playoff, I would have been going to NOLA for New Year's Eve. And the tickets, the 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 getting there was fine. The hotels and things like that were expensive, and you know the bowl ticket I think would have been at least two hundred bucks. And I would you you already know I would have spent a shit on Bourbon Street, so. I, I was saved a lot of money by that inch loss, but it didn't mean it hurt any less at the time. Well, as they say, size matters. Um, we will go. As always, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, 
forward slash studio soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at studio underscore soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, and Instant Thomas. You can find us there. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.